0: the halls of assembly you'll hear us scream and shout our love of indiana is manic and devout rg and his boys we discuss in unique matter. we won't be satisfied until we hang on over banner us two goofy guys go by names of ward and eric and as you probably know by now we're hoosier hysterics hoosier hysterics hoosier hysterics
1: hello hysterics Hello, all those hysterics that are quarantined and locked down as we have been for many weeks now. Uh, it's a good thing we've got this podcast because this and Reasonable Rabby that we're releasing on a weekly basis, this is what keeps me excited and keeps me going, keeps me connected to the IU community.
0: Yeah, it's it's our lifeline to, to Hoosier Nation. It's still very much a big part of why I get out of bed in the morning.
1: And you know what? They can make us... Lockdown, they can quarantine us, but they can't prevent us from being powered by.
0: It is so funny how Zoom has no idea what to do with the audio. Like, wait, is that a car going by that I should filter? And then it starts to like
1: disappear. And then it comes back when you least expect it.
0: By the way, that word was PEEGS. For those of you listening, new listeners were powered by PEEGS, the greatest website in the history of mankind.
1: We have gotten some real derisive comments about the pig siren call recently. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Some have suggested why. One guy actually tweeted, And he said, the time you spend doing the siren call would be better if you just promoted peegs.com. Oh. And my response to that is, didn't we just promote peegs.com? Yeah. By the fact that you're tweeting about it? You insulting son of a, you know what?
0: Insufferable son of
1: a. (laughs) Yeah. Also, again, I just want to point out, in virtually every podcast app, there is a skip forward button just skip forward just move over it no one's forcing you to listen this is free content Just do with it what you please. If
0: I was listening to our podcast, I would just keep skipping ahead 15 seconds till I heard one of us not talking and a third voice entering and be like, oh, okay,
1: here we are. (laughs) Yeah, That's a good point. That's a good point. You know what else I would do? If Mm. I was listening to our podcast, I would sit back. I'd pour myself a cold beverage inside of some handsome IU branded glassware that you can get yourself on collegegradshop.com forward slash hysterics. And
0: I know you, and I know you would never miss a chance to have a piece of Hoosier history that you would purchase your exclusive historic IU glassware today. If you didn't get gifted four of those point glasses by the proprietors of collegegradshop.com forward slash hysterics.
1: Now, they did write the line that says, don't miss your chance, right?
0: They said, don't miss a chance. But a I, I, I right. paraphrase it.
1: It seemed more conversational with you. I'm just curious if they think anyone in the world that doesn't buy glasses, like, damn it, I missed my chance. They're looking long term. Damn it.
0: Three years down the road when, you know, college grad shop is paying somebody – you know, like Zion to promote the, you know, it's outgrown <laughs> us, then then yeah, people will be like, oh man. And then they're gonna be selling some ugly ass Duke glasses at that point.
1: They're gonna be like, uh they're gonna see us on the street walking by with IU branded glassware, and they're gonna be like, What is that? And I, and you and I will respond, Oh, it's IU branded glassware that you can get at collegegradshop.com forward slash hysterics. Oh, wait, no, you can't anymore. You know why? Cause you missed your chance.
0: Now please just put a couple dollars into this glassware. We're hoping <laughs> so I need to eat. We, we can buy a chicken sandwich.
1: We need to eat Popeye's spicy chicken sandwich. Only three, four bucks. Help, help a brother out. So hey, this
0: was an episode we taped. We knew it'd be especially evergreen as we try to make ours. But this was so fun because we actually got to do this. Not only were you and I in person like the good old days, but the person we were interviewing, it was a very rare case of getting to do it
1: in the room with the person we were speaking with. It was absolutely special for a few reasons. One, because of that. I mean, there's only been a handful of these that we've done in person, including our first two. AJ Moya and Jared Jeffries were in person. Mm-hmm. Uh, Juwan Morgan was in person. Um, so it's we're, we always are very happy when we get to do them in person. This was right before the lockdown. Mm-hmm. But this was like the last time we could be in public. And... Uh, It was done at the same place that we did our first kind of remote uh, shoot over a year ago when we first started the podcast. And then the other part of it is, look, if you listen to our podcast, you know that one of the things that comes up a lot is good-natured ribbing at Coach Tom Cree. I mean, look... The guy had a lot of quirks. He did a lot of good things for Indiana, and we thank him for a lot of that. He brought us back from a really dark time. But there was a lot of stuff that he did was just weird, just flat-out weird. It graded on people. He lost the state, AAU coaches, high school coaches, blah, 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 blah. And it's a little bit of red meat every time we get a chance to talk to somebody who played for him that's willing to give us some of what made him an absolute crazy person. (laughs) And I was really excited for this one because, look, we spend a ton of time talking to and reveling in the legends that played for Indiana University. And obviously, those are there's no brainers why those are fun. But as we've talked about, the story of Indiana basketball is made up of legends, role players, people who came out of nowhere, people whose careers got derailed because of injury or whatever else might have happened, managers, assistant coaches, coaches whose careers didn't go the way you thought they would. The entire story is made up of all of these various puzzle pieces. And each one is as valuable as the next in understanding the full experience of Indiana basketball. And this gentleman had a really interesting career because he came to us in the absolute low of the lows with a lot of hype behind him. There was a lot of excitement because it seemed like we were now coming out of a bad time and we're going to be progressing towards the light. And he had a a last name that everybody knew in the basketball world. He had come from a program uh, where he had some success and played a lot and that program had a ton of success. And it seemed like, wow, the, the, the horizon is bright. And his career, as he told us, didn't go exactly the way that he wanted to for a variety of reasons. And, and he has such a unique perspective
0: because of the last name you alluded to. There's, there is a real sense in that family of what basketball is all about. And I think even other other players coming to play for IU or any program for that matter, you know, a lot of their their – opinion worldview perspective on basketball comes from certainly once you get to Indiana and the Indiana coach is telling you what's up you're like this isn't my AAU coach this is my high school coach this this must be the the truth the gospel but when you're coming from a background like this you're already coming into it knowing like well you know I grew up around this game at the absolute highest level so I'm, I'm going to have my own opinions and other people to bounce ideas with outside of this microcosm of a program. And, and, you know, I think he had that then and was very generous in sharing it, not only the experience, but his point of view on it and what they're about to listen to.
1: And, and the other part of it that I find just fascinating is, you know, like we got to talk to Trace Jackson Davis, Trace Jackson Davis was a top 25 recruit in the country, top 30 recruit five, you know, four star, five, borderline five star, came to Indiana with a lot of hype and then had an unbelievable freshman season. And that's a very, that's a common story. This is a guy who was at the highest of the high as far as rankings in high school and expected that of himself. And then for a variety of reasons that we will discuss all, did not reach those levels in college. And I think from a human perspective, dealing with that, dealing with the disappointment, dealing with the failure to meet not only other people's expectations, but more importantly, your expectations, how do you handle that? Well, the good news is this guy came from a really strong background and has come out the other side, I think, well, and and done well for himself, where he could have wallowed in pity, in self-pity, and he has not. And he's really honest about it, which is refreshing. And
0: just a, a good dude a good hang to have had the privilege to spend a couple hours smoking a stogie with this gentleman was just fun along with being insightful so i i hope that experience for us translates to
1: the listeners and with that let's let them have it
0: Okay, Eric, you know, it's such a thrill for us to sit in my garage in Glendale, California, and talk to IU players about their time in Bloomington, but sometimes, very rarely, we have an extra thrill where we're not in my garage, and that player is with us in person. Would you care to tell the folks where we're at and
1: who's with us yes because where we're at is why we are sitting with this gentleman today so we are at the grand havana room in los angeles a private cigar lounge that i have been a member of for a while that ward and i come every once in a while and smoke cigars and yell at each other about indiana basketball and the other night i was here enjoying a cigar with a friend And the uh, I believe it was the Rockets-Clippers game is on the TV. And I'm sitting kind of facing the entrance. And as I'm facing the entrance, I see a gentleman walk in looking super cool, wearing like a sweatsuit. And the only guys that wear like sweatsuits coming into this place are guys who know they're freaking cool. And I'm like, it's coming from a distance. I'm like, I know this guy. I definitely know this guy. And my friend who I'm with starts talking to me. And I'm like, listen, something's happening here. I don't care what you have to say. I know this guy. And he sits down, and I notice he's looking at the TV. And uh, he's watching the game. And I'm like, yeah, he's definitely a player. He's definitely a basketball player. I know him. And I say to myself, I'm sure I know him. And at this point, it clicks for me. But then I start doing more math. And I'm like, he's watching the Clippers game. You know who's the coach of the Los Angeles Clippers? Doc Rivers. And I look back, and I'm like, that's right. We got ourselves somebody that used to play for Indiana basketball. So I said, all right, listen. I'm going to go up and introduce myself. And my friend is like, don't do that. These guys, they don't want to be introduced to anybody. I'm like, listen, he's an Indiana Hoosier. I'm going to introduce myself. One of us. So I walk up as I'm leaving, and I point, and I go, uh, Jeremiah. And he looks at me a little quizzical, like, uh, yeah, that's me. A little afraid. So a little afraid, sure. <laughs> I stick my hand out, and this, he has the best response anyone could ever have, by the way. I said to him, I'm a Hoosier. He stands up. Do you remember what you said? I do not. You said, so am I. Yes. yes. And I said, yes, <laughs> Jeremiah Rivers, everybody. <laughs> I
2: appreciate you guys having me on. Of course, yeah. man.
1: It was so cool to see you there. Yeah. It is not often in Los Angeles that we run into former player Hoosiers. We we ran into... Uh, A.J. Moye, who lives out here. But that was
0: back in Bloomington at a Louisville game.
1: That's true. We didn't even know he was out here, really. Uh, He's coaching out here. We also ran into Jared Jeffries, and we did a Jared Jeffries interview. Jared (laughs)
2: Jeffries is my guy. Oh, I bet you got some stories. We had partied so hard together in the past. (laughs) I can't keep up with Jared. Like (laughs) He's got a whole whole other level. Uh, but he's an amazing human man. Jared can go. Great Jared guy. can go. Great
1: this is guy.
0: what we've heard. We have some guys in New York. we call the goons who had him out there to do a podcast with Rabbi way back in the day. And those guys can have a good time out there like Jared nope can't keep up.
2: Jared can go to the wee hours of the night, wake up for like an eight a m panel. For like tech, the next the next morning, I don't know how he does it. He's 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 a legend, man. He's a machine. He is.
1: Uh, so it was so exciting. I immediately reached out to Ward. I'm like, guess who I ran into, and uh, and he's like, are you kidding? I'm like, yeah. I think, I think he he'll be on the podcast. It's like, Oh my God, we got to do this. And here we are, by the way, that was just last Thursday. Yeah, a couple of days ago. And really. here we are on yeah. Monday recording yeah. this. This is just sensational.
0: Yeah, no, this is really fun to actually be able to make eye contact and see if we're actually offending the guest or if they're having a good time. So we, we can read
1: body language. This uh, is great. You guys
2: have good energy <laughs> Been very hospitable, man. So it's, <laughs> well, it's, it's, all, it's uh, early, man. <laughs> it is way <laughs> early
1: for that. All right. So before we kind of get into your whole basketball story and sure. how you landed, in Indiana yeah tell everybody what you're doing these days what brings you out to LA and uh, just what's keeping you busy
2: Uh, so the past couple years I've been in like music production writing um, with uh, artists uh, even like movie soundtracks I've always had like a big Uh, I guess interest in it and I've just always loved music like growing up like with my dad like it's just always been like 70s, 80s like funk, MJ, Earthwind, Commodores I just grew up on that so I always like was naturally I guess like driven to like pop and like that type of sound and um, actually I got kind of introduced to the right people out here when I first came out and uh, that's what I've been doing the past couple years and then just recently about eight months ago um, I started a tequila company, which will be out end of August.
1: All right, hold on. I get the music thing, you yeah. grew up in it, yeah. I get yeah. you love it, I yeah. get that, I understand how that's a career. Yeah. But segueing to, I just started a tequila company yeah. is a hard right turn. <laughs> so how does that happen?
2: Uh, listen, if you would ask me a year ago, like, am I doing a tequila company? It would have been like, I don't know what you're talking about. Right. Uh, but my best friend is Mexican American, Uh, ryan rodriguez uh also my partner in the business in the company and he's like yo do you want to go down to guadalajara um to my um gay cousin's wedding (laughs) i was like sure man like it's all good like i'm down for anything man like i'm you know whatever so we go down there and like their family owns a lot of businesses down there very you know prominent um well-established Family, and every day they have something set up for us. One day's like Lucha Libre, so we're going to like the wrestling. Yes, yeah. Like, and I don't know where we're at. Like, <laughs> the venue is like, yeah. you know, there's no, you know, it's all just
1: stone and steel. And um, is and, there a donkey involved? Was there any live animal show happening in any of this? Uh, they do have those, <laughs>
2: but not on the day we
1: were there. Okay. Cool. Yeah, it was human beings that day. <laughs>
2: um, and one of the days was going out to an agave farm and we're like going into tequila, Mexico and there's this big mountain and it says Ordandine and that's his cousin's family. That's their grandparents. They own an ocean of it. Mm. And so I'm sitting there like, wow, like I didn't, you know, this is incredible. Like you know, I drink tequila, like a lot of athletes drink tequila. Um why is that? Is there a reason like for Like the purity? Yeah, the purity. Like I think, you know, our response to it, you know, the next day is better than there you go anything else. And then you kind of look at it, like the statistics behind it. There's like studies from MIT, Harvard, like lowest glycemic index, gluten free, like so. I think, you know, with Blancos, like the least amount of sugars, like so you just feel better. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, So, yeah, and the experience was insane, and I and like I couldn't get it out of my head, like when I, when we returned from LA, and we're just partying with his family. It's the big wedding, and I get back and like two weeks later, I'm like, hey, can we like talk to your grandparents and see if this is like a venture that, you know, they'd be willing to allow us into their world, you know? And we went down there when the grandparents, you know, his family, and his cousins looked at us and said, okay, you guys can do this, but you have to live here for two weeks and learn about it and understand Mm -hmm. like the culture behind it. So that's what we did. We stayed down in Guadalajara. We were driving to Los Altos, which is the highlands. And mm-hmm. then we would drive to Tequila, which is, like, the lowlands. Um, it's mainly, like, two areas where it's made. Um, and we learned everything out in the fields, with the jima Like, it was an, a transformative experience. And um, when we got back, we were, like, we're doing it. Like, but the deeper we got into it, the more I was, like, we're doing this. Oh. And then, like, your connections and the network, I'm, like, this makes sense. I was, like, let's just do it, man. Like, you know, life's short. Like, let's. Let's give it a go.
0: And agave, correct me if I'm wrong, but that takes like seven years for those plants yeah, to mature. Seven to
2: eight. You have seven to eight to, to harness it because that's when it like yields the most sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's not like it's a very craft process, right? Uh, maybe one like wine, and yeah, just so e- intensive. Oh my goodness! But just the education is not there, and I think it's slowly been building these last. Four or five years of the tequila boom in Casamigos.
1: Mm-hmm. And I was going to say, Clooney did a little bit for that.
2: Yeah, yeah, we see him on the motorcycles, you know, the the ads and campaigns. Yeah. Let's yeah. not
0: forget Sammy Hagar, okay? Does Sammy Hagar have a tequila he's, company? He's got the, the Cabo Wabo thing. I don't oh, know Cabo if it's Wabo. any good. I yeah, don't know But tequila is one of his lines in that. Yeah, I mean,
2: um, yeah, the business – and that's not what drove me to it. Right. But when you, like, look at what's going on in the alcohol industry and tequila especially, it's just – it's pretty incredible, man. So what is the name of the tequila? Mayamo. Uh, mayamo. Yeah, my name is. Nice. So, slogan's like, my name is tequila. Oh, yeah. I like it. Yeah, and we're spelling it. We're fusing, we're fusing like two Spanish words, May and Amo, so Americans can pronounce it when they read
1: it. <laughs> yeah, do you spell it M-E-L-L-A-M-O? No, no. So it's
2: M-E-Y-A-M-O. Got so it, mayamo. mayamo. It's really seamless, easy to read, easy to say.
1: And where are you in the process right now?
2: Uh, we are in our Final negotiations with our distillery. Well, I can't contractually say anything sure. yet. Got it. Um, in design phase right now. Mm, that's com- fun, right? Oh, my goodness. It's fun, but it's also been maybe the most frustrating thing I've ever dealt with because I don't like anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm very picky, uh, but it's getting there. Um, but, like, compliance, like, the federal oh, and, yeah. and state is pretty much done. Like, we have all that. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then you know, like our investors and the people behind the brand is coming together now.
1: But you and your friend did it soup to nuts. You guys, you we did ourselves. Away. You did it yourselves. You went out and got financing. You, it's it's just you guys running the company with some investors. Yes. Yeah. Um. Uh, several years ago, I, I was involved in something. Not, not a tequila company, but a tequila company called Asombroso Tequila? Asombroso, yeah. You know that? Yeah, I know With a bottle that looks like a dildo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, dust, yeah. right? So
2: I've been to that distillery. Okay, yeah. so
1: the guy who, I don't know if it's the same guy who owns it. It is. Is it? Yes. So he wanted to do a reality show about his company and himself, and so he I got involved with that a little bit.
2: Selecto de Amatitan is the name of that distillery. Wow, there you go. Yeah, yeah. no, you don't understand. Ice, you're in. Since we went down there for those two weeks, me and my partner have gone to. We go to Mexico every month,
1: and you just learn. You're a sponge.
2: We're a sponge, man. Like we're not rushing it. Like I'm not sending people. Like I don't have the, you know, I don't have the cash flow to be like, "Yo, go
1: take care of this for me."
2: Right. It's me and my partner going there every single month
1: now what he told me at the time that was fascinating for a reality show yeah. was that the uh let's just say it's not the safest of industries like for him at the time the cartels were involved a little bit they they've like firebombed his distillery or where he was manufacturing something because he didn't grease the right people in mexico is that is that all part of like the mexican corruption are you having to deal with any of that? So far, it's been smooth. Okay. Uh,
2: you know, I keep a low profile, like I'm not some name dropper right. or like anything. I'm just there to you know, to learn and not appropriate the Spanish culture and uh, be immersed in it as much as I can. And I think that's been big for me. And obviously my partner and his family have been instrumental. And, like, facilitating that for us.
1: Because they're in the community. They're there. Yeah. Right. They Respected. have those
2: relationships with whoever is corrupt and whoever's not. Like, that's just part of... Business. Yeah. That's part of business. That's part of the fabric there. So, it just
1: comes with the territory. It doesn't really bother me. The good news, too, is if you want to keep a low profile, we are the best place to be talking Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you don't can, have to worry about no.
0: anybody finding out about <laughs> you here. You can good. get that's real...
1: This is as low profile as it gets.
0: <laughs> but... to to, to do this for our listeners what i'm sure they're all wondering right now is where are you in negotiations with Kilroys, with Nicks, and all the places in Bloomington <laughs> that, that need, yes, that need yeah. to serve your tequila.
2: So we're not there yet because we still had to work on uh, our distro and who and who's going to facilitate that for us? Because that's um, really the business. Is that's
1: who's going to be out there selling it to the bars and to the dis- yeah into liquor the yeah. There's a couple
2: yeah. big boys out there like Southerns, um, right, and. Really, if you get in with a couple of them immediately, if you're able to get that immediately, like you're almost profitable like day one, like because their sales team, they're so strong
0: and you have those relationships. I mean, it's a big deal. And is that on quality of tequila? Is it having sort of a niche or a gimmick sometimes that'll just make you stand out? Um, Listen, man, for us, I mean,
2: uh, we're kind of like the FU brand yes you know we're not corporate mm-hmm. um you know my story is you know i'm a mixed american you know white and black and my friend is mexican-american and we're not you know nec- we we've been self-funding this the whole time right up until a point obviously when we need to like you know scale yeah um we're not curating anything in a perfect way or like only targeting one demographic, like no, like my friend, they're born and raised in Venice, which up until the last seven eight years is more of a hard nosed area. Mm-hmm. um You know, I think people come down, they're like, oh, like abikini and, and yeah, everything. that's not, not, real not, nah, yeah. not real Venice. No, it's not real yeah. Venice. And people were like the the locals, like, man, that's not real Venice. You know, right? Their 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 lingo, their slang is way different. Like, and I picked up so much slang from hanging out with like his whole. Family and his friends, and it's it's fun. So we're Venice established. We're using that as our as that's our, cool. Yeah, as our your vibe, our vibe, and our foundation. Very cool. And we're gonna start there, and then work like Manhattan, and then work inwards.
1: Very cool. Yeah. All right. So that's what you're doing now. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That was so. That's where your friend grew up. But I think it's yeah. now time to to go back to the beginning of your story. Yeah. Where Where was your childhood, and what was it like growing up? in a household with a a basketball father?
2: My childhood was everywhere. Uh Like, I didn't grow up. I mean, obviously, Florida is the base now, and we've been there the longest. But, like, you know, started in Atlanta. Yep. Went from Atlanta to Los Angeles. My dad was with the Hawks for about eight years, Clippers for two years, the New York Knicks for two or three years, during, like, the Oakley, Mason, blue-collar, like, we want to fight almost every game type team. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah.
0: As a Pacers fan, I remember right. those oh, teams the yeah. well. The
2: battles were incredible, especially with the Pacers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the Bulls. And the Bulls. I mean, they got so close. And My dad will tell you, like, just winning is so difficult. Right. Like, you know, like, I think you look at Golden State and their dominance and, you know, you look at what LeBron's been able to do over the course of his career, like, it's not easy, man. Right. You know, it's such a difficult thing. A couple of things don't go your way. I mean, and he had the Knicks, you know, he, uh, he was with Ewing and, and Starks and the Hawks with Wilkins, and they're taking the Celtics and Larry Bird, you know, game seven, and just not enough. And my dad's whole playing career, 13-plus years, never won a championship. Right. You know, and he's played on
1: some great teams. He has won as a coach, though.
2: He has won mm-hmm. as a coach. Uh, so And from maybe New York, more
1: to come. I'm hoping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, what was it like for you as a kid, though? Um, I assume basketball was just part of your life from as early as you can remember. Did you immediately love it? Do you remember loving it? Yeah, immediately.
2: Immediately loved it. I mean, a little spoiler or something. Yeah. Most people don't know, and it's still accurate to this day. I <laughs> didn't grow up in college basketball. So, like, I was born in the NBA. Like, my dad did two years in college, NBA from there. Never looked back, so I didn't watch my first college basketball game till my senior year of high school, really? never seen one,
0: not even on TV
2: nope wow, it was Duke Georgetown because I just signed with Georgetown wow. at the time.
1: you had signed before yeah. you even watched them? never play. seen one <laughs> so were you like, man, these guys are terrible yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this game sucks I hated it, yeah. <laughs> yeah no,
2: I hated college basketball, like I was just like I, I don't get it like i I the appeal like I was just watching and I was just like man like and obviously with all the respect I just didn't know you know I just grew up in a very bus circumstance where like I'm just you know at practices with Ewing and the Starks and like his their kids and those are my friends and when I found out Patrick Ewing Jr. was going to Georgetown that's kind of the reason I went I didn't even know anything about college I was like man like John Thompson Jr. or senior, I know about him and AI on Iverson. Sure. I'm like, dope, man. Like, you know, like it's a historically like, you know, kind of like African American basketball for teams sure. and like I was it, like, it
1: was the preeminent college team for African Americans. Yes. I mean, the yeah. way he staked it out with Ewing and Mourning and Mutumbo and Iverson, it was like if you were an up and coming black high school kid, and especially a big man. You know, but but Georgetown had the cool factor. My my best friend, Brian Mitchell, growing up uh, was addicted to Georgetown basketball because he saw he liked cool and I liked Indiana. <laughs> yeah. Right. I was Bob Knight. He was John Thompson. But they had that. I mean, they were they were Kentucky before Kentucky. Yeah. You know, they. He don't insult just,
2: Georgetown like that. <laughs> he, Georgetown's whole aesthetic, man, like just the uniform. Yes. Like, yeah. you know, senior with the towel. And, you know, it just had a, such a cool factor. And they were building it back with Do- John Thompson Jr. Yes. being the coach. And uh, they ended up beating Duke that game that I watched. And they're, they're getting ranked again. They're getting McDonald all you know all American athletes. Yes. I'm like, oh, cool! And you want to be a part of that? I want to be a part of that. And Listen, I was naive. Like I just didn't know anything about it. And you know whether it's right or wrong, whatever. I just my dad always had
1: me at NBA games. That's all we watched when he came home. All right, but wait, let's because I don't want to skip ahead to you going to Georgetown yet yeah. because I'm fascinated by yeah. Ward and I have talked about. How strong you form your fandom when you're a kid for most of us. Yeah. Like Indiana was everything for Ward and I, and that was it. And for Ward, it was the Pacers too. But but the Pacers
0: were a distant second for the state of Indiana as a whole, really, maybe even third to college basketball and high school basketball. Okay. Yeah. And and Reggie and those teams definitely helped the whole state really get into it. But yeah, it was like the NBA was the most distant thing. And for you in St. Louis, you didn't even have a team. No, I
1: just liked. Michael Jordan, truthfully. I love the NBA. I love basketball. But my point is the idea of me changing allegiances, you know, it's foreign. Like I I could not imagine being a fan of any other school. You are traveling with your dad. Every time he moved, you moved. Yep. And so your first team that you remember really rooting for, I assume, was the Hawks. Yeah. When you moved and then he went to the Clippers after the Hawks. Did you stop rooting for the Hawks immediately and become a Clippers fan?
2: Yeah. That's it. I'm just supporting my family. Like, that's just what I know. Like, it's not like I didn't support the Hawks or I didn't like them. I was just, well, this is where we're at now. Right. And you have to assimilate and you have to adjust. And, you know, I think as a kid, like, you're just my dad, whatever uniform my dad has on, that's my dad. Like, I'm supporting that. I love him. And
1: how hard is it for you moving around like that to get established in the AAU circuit, you mm. know, finding a team or a coach or a group of players that you can kind of grow with, was that difficult?
2: Um, I think assimilation was the biggest thing, right? I, my dad and my mom did a great job of getting a basketball in my hand, getting me on a team, and sometimes they were the worst teams, but I didn't care. I just wanted to play basketball. And, and it's well,
0: like an instant community. You yeah. come to a new town, but you're on a team and you got – eight new friends in a minute.
2: And then people find out and they want you to join their team. Right. And I was like a multi-sport athlete. I was, I mean, I was incredible at football. What position? I was a running back. Nice. And uh, you know, in my peewee days, I feel like I was incredible. (laughs) I don't really know. I don't really know.
0: Uh, It helps the story. I tell myself that. Yeah, of
2: course. Um, And basketball and uh, even, even tennis a little bit. But yeah, I think they did a great job doing that. And But adjusting, like moving and changing friends or not even changing friends, but having to build new ones from scratch. Like that's like almost a skill or something that you had to develop as a kid, early age. I mean, new schools, everything. So it was
1: it was definitely difficult sometimes. Who was the nicest NBA player that you got to meet because of your dad playing in the NBA? Who do you look back on and go, I love that guy?
2: It's hard to single out one. Okay. Uh, Sean Elliott uh, would be one. From Arizona. From yeah. Arizona. Dennis Rodman. Really? Would be one. The nicest guy, man. And do you see him guy. out here at all? Yeah, he's I a see new boy, yeah. right? I, I, me and Austin, uh, my younger brother, um, we actually partied
1: with him one oh, night at God. a nightclub.
2: And he's like, I used to babysit you. Like,
1: <laughs> Now, where was the crossover with Rodman? What team? Spurs. Oh, right, right, right before he went to the Bulls. Yep.
2: Yeah, like a little interim period there and yeah. And that it was, was just just Sean good.
0: Elliott too at the same yeah, time. And Sean right? Elliott was there
2: and then my dad like retired in that 96 era um and then like 2 years later they get dunk they get dunkin and my dad's doing TNT but we're still in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so like I'm just the biggest Spurs fan like all the games at the Alamo Dome like it was just And incredible.
1: Rodman was just a good dude too. To die,
2: man. Such
1: a good guy. All right, I have uh, nothing bad to say. Like, all right, good. From my personal experience. Okay, but now I want you to say something bad. So give me the opposite. Who were the guys that you were that were the coldest to you, or somebody that you were like, why is that guy such a jerk?
2: Mm, that's a good question. I don't know if I've ever had that like jerk experience. Right. I think some players maybe just being more reserved or just maybe less social. Sure. Um, now
1: you are also helped, I would imagine. Your dad is one of the most respected yeah. guys that has ever played or coached. Yeah. So I would imagine, you know, like with anything, if your dad's a good guy and the adults like your dad, they're gonna like the kid.
2: Honestly, I, I just, I can't think of one. Wow. And, okay. and a lot of that's because of my father. Like yeah. no question. Like, he's been in the league a long time, and I think he has his the players' respect, and, you know, it's been a pretty easy-going experience with players. I, I can't ever remember one just being a complete jerk.
1: When when did you then settle in Florida? Was it when your dad went to Orlando?
2: Yeah, so you got a job in 99, 2000. Um, The team was basically gutted at that point. Yeah. Hardaway's gone, Shaq is gone, and my dad is left with, you know, guys are picking from the CBA, uh... Overseas, and they end up going like 500 that year. He gets coach of the year. I mean, the leading scorer was Daryl Armstrong. Wow. Um, you know, they have Michael Doliak. You know,
1: not a stellar team.
2: Not, I mean, no, by any means. Right. But they gave all they could. Their slogan was hard and hustle. And they were one shot away from going to the playoffs. They lost to the Milwaukee Bucks, who oh. ended up, who, who took, the, took the AC.
0: And how much, when you're seeing your your dad, really get the most out of a team like that? How how often can you, as as a kid growing up, like you're you're learning from that these life lessons that maybe you don't realize until twenty years later? Yeah. But was it something like? where you were close enough, you were running around at practice and you were hearing him talk about, you know, his frustrations with work or what was satisfying about work. Was, was that a pretty open door for you to, to understand what he was going through at different stages?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it set the tone for my life, you know, being able to see like how hard these guys work and how hard my dad was working. I have a crazy story. I'll never forget this as a kid. I think second year, third year with the Magic, and, like, you know, I'm, like, 11, and, like, we're still, like, running down to, the, you know, my parents' room. Like, you know, we're scared of the dark or whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. There was, like, different times we'd all do it. Like, Austin would be the first one out of bed at, like, 1 a.m., like, sprinting down to my parents' room. And then my sister. And then, uh, and then my little brother, Spence. And, you know, and then me. Um, I remember going down at 4 a.m. to my parents' bedroom. And I pass by Austin's room, and I see my dad in the pitch. It's like almost it was, it, it was dark, and he was writing plays at 4.30 in the morning. Wow. Because like, he didn't want to wake my mom up, so he's sleeping. He didn't want to wake up you know, any kids because they're all sleeping in, in the master room, right? And my dad was in my brother's room just writing plays at 4.30 because they hadn't been playing well, and they lost a couple games. And I'll, I'll never forget that for the rest of my life. We uh, I'm we like re- dad go to bed. He's like, oh, I, w- I will, I will. Wow. Yeah.
0: And is that as much uh, his 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 drive to succeed, and maybe this is the same thing, his passion for the game. Hundred percent. I mean, I think it's what his,
2: my grandparents instilled in him, um, his mom and his dad. You know, they came up during the civil rights era, Chicago South Side. Mm-hmm. They came from nothing. You know, my dad's father you know was a cop so and you know a black cop wow in In chicago in chicago during that whole time it was not easy no
1: yeah so uh you are now settled into florida yeah you're at winter park yeah you are now in the same place for a little while yeah when do you realize football's not happening it is just basketball and i'm pretty good at this game Eighth
2: grade, um, we moved to Florida, like middle school, like getting into like seventh grade. So mm-hmm. I, I did private school, seventh and eighth grade. I didn't have a good experience. And
0: nobody does in middle <laughs> school, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah it's mean, yeah, 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 pretty yeah, universally <laughs> horrible. But when you're moving around a lot, I'm sure it's worse.
2: Yeah. And I was like playing varsity already. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a lot lot of politics involved. I didn't understand it. I'm seventh, eighth grade. I didn't get like why I wasn't starting. Like I'm like, or playing more. And especially with football, like I was the fastest, I was the strongest and there's just a lot of politics and I didn't get it. And it drove me out of football. I was like, man, like, I don't know why I'm not playing and I don't want to get hurt. And I seem like basketball is kind of where this is going. And so like, yeah, going into ninth grade, and I switched to public school because that's where like all like if you wanted to like prove yourself like with competition, you had to go public school in Florida. Wow. Well, yeah.
1: you did. Yeah. Uh, and what was it like being uh, going from just making the decision to go to public school now and then becoming a national recruit? Like what when did that kind of all kick into gear for you? Um,
2: so it started ninth grade. Right. I'm on a team um, called the Magic Hoops. And we're just some local guys, but, like, we were good. Mm -hmm. And our coach was a former NBA player, an overseas player named Stan Bacavage. And we had great plays. And we were just beating all these nationally ranked teams. And it started to garner attention. And we go to AU Nationals in Virginia. we play against, like, a nationally ranked AU team, Houston Hoops. They have Daryl Arthur, Nick Wise, top recruits, Mm -hmm. a couple NBA players now and we are up 20 and so fourth quarter and like but we were small man like our biggest guy was six four like their Arthur and them are six nine six eight and they end up coming back and beating us by two but that game like got everyone's attention ah um
1: a lot of coaches in
2: that game? The coaches in that game. So, like, who who are these players? Like, who's this team? And then... Because they were probably there to watch the other 100%. team. 100%. They didn't care mm-hmm. about the Magic Hoops. We're just a right. local Orlando team. Next tournament, we, we played up, and we played against Lou Williams Oof. and the Sweet Atlanta Celtics. Lou. Okay. And I have 38 that game. Wow. No, I'm just... I'm killing that game. And everyone was there to watch Lou Will. And uh, a coach named Tom Toppings... Uh, the head coach of Nike Team Florida was there. This is back when all those Nike, Adidas, remember how big those circuits were? Yeah, of course. And he came up to me after the games. He goes, I'd love for you to play for me next year. Because I was with the Magic Hoops and been with them for several years. And I was like, I talked to Stan, the head coach of my team. He's like, you got to do it. It's Nike. You're going to be at all the best tournaments, all the best competition. And we had Keith Brumbaugh on that team. Uh, Keaton Grant. Oh my who went God. to Purdue? Who's yeah. like my brother? Yeah. Well, uh, all right. <laughs> no, careful, uh, careful, yeah. careful, careful, careful. Uh, Walter Hodge. Where did Walter Hodge? Florida. Florida. Okay. That's right Yeah. Uh, Luke Bahamate.
1: Oh wow, <laughs> UCLA. Yeah. Wow. Shasha Khan. Beast. Wow. Yeah. This we, is an all-star team. No,
2: it was crazy team. We had a squad, um, and I played for them for the whole year. And after that, I was ranked around twenty in the whole country for, I think I was a sophomore. I was a 20th sophomore. Um, and then that following summer, I ended up getting to like around 10 in the country and top two point guard.
1: And were you, be honest, are you looking at those rankings? Are you like, I'm going to get up. I'm going to be top 10. Come on.
2: Yeah, like when, a- when Adidas ABCD would send us like the CD yes. with like hip hop and they'd like shout out your name and like. You're looking at rankings like every week. <laughs> yes. Did I move up? Like, oh, how's he in front of me? Yeah, right. I mean of course you're competitive. I'm competitive. Like, I love the challenge. But yeah, it's just it was fun. It was an interesting time.
1: Did you feel like you were the tenth best player in the country? I felt like I was top. I thought I was number one. Really? I thought I was okay.
2: like I, I knew like Greg Oden was one. And I, <laughs> I I I was completely okay with that. But like when it came to guards, like Ty Lawson, Conley, mm-hmm. I felt like I was. I felt like I was one, two, yeah.
0: And you'd been playing against those
2: guys yeah. in some of these competitions, yeah. so you knew what you were up against. I knew what I was up against. Yeah. Also,
1: now because I think most Indiana fans that are listening to this remember your time at Indiana mm-hmm. and didn't really know of you because we weren't recruiting you yeah. at the time. Yeah, we didn't get to see the full <clears throat> Jeremiah. No, 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 no. Tell no. us what your game was like. How would you describe your game that your sophomore, junior, into your senior year of high school?
2: I mean, post or no pre senior year, thirty a game, seven eight threes a game. Um, I mean, if you ask anybody that like played against me during that time, one of the most one of the more natural jump shots. um,
1: Did you pattern your game after any of those players that you saw all those years uh, touring around with your dad? Was there anybody you tried to emulate?
2: Michael Jordan. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's good, a good one. Good my choice. form. My form. Everything. I just. I was a Michael Jordan fanatic growing up. Nice.
1: Well, and
0: now I guess is a good time to ask: Was how hands on was your father with your development, or was there even time because he was coaching NBA teams? A
2: lot without getting in the way. Mm-hmm. Like he wasn't forcing me into basketball. He wanted me to make my own decisions, and as long as. I was happy he was happy. Great. I was never he, a force, you know, because you go to AU circuit, like, you see parents. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Fighting, like, it's – I think I think even Austin dealt with that more than I did, like, in terms of, like, jealousy and, you know, oh, it's nepotism. It's it's Doc Rivers' son. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you ever seen Austin play in AU? Like, he was insane. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I, I just recently watched – what's the South Carolina coach's name? Frank – Martin Martin Frank Martin has a kid who plays uh, basketball and they were asking him about what do you like at the games And he's like listen I don't say a word during the games I don't talk to the coach I don't talk to the referees and here's why he's like for all you parents out there that get all worked up you have adults who are volunteering their time volunteering to coach your son or daughter. They're taking away time from their families to spend time coaching yours. And all they want is to help your kids get better.
2: 100%.
1: Leave them alone. Yeah. Just leave them alone. So he said, and look, I'm as competitive as the next guy, but I'm not spending as much time with my kid as that coach is. So I'm going to let them do their thing. So I always have respect for guys like your dad who clearly know more about, forgot more about basketball than anybody in those gyms. Yeah. they understand, like, this isn't my thing right now. I, that's a, and probably lessens the pressure on you as well.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, you'd hear my dad's voice, like, soar across the gym every now and then because he's got such a... He's got that voice. He's, he, he has a unique voice, man, and you yeah. cannot mistake it. And it's the most, as a kid, it's the scariest thing ever. <laughs> like, talk back to my teacher, a bad grade. It was a frightening experience. You know, like getting spanked, like oh, yeah. oh my my dad, like dude, he's six five, he's just he's muscle yeah, his voice is it's like comes from like a dungeon, man. Like it's just deep. <laughs> yeah. It's so deep and raspy. Uh but yeah.
1: Um he well, just let us play, man. So that was your game heading into senior year?
2: Uh yes, heading into senior year.
1: And then what happened? Something happened. What happened? Uh
2: a life changing experience happened. Open gym in the summer. I'd go, they're not mandatory, so I'd go a couple times a week. Yeah, I'm doing it, uh, AU and all that and all these camps, Nike. And my head coach of my high school calls me and he's like, hey, Billy Donovan's coming. Or this is actually even before, yeah, because I didn't sign up my senior year. He's like, Billy Donovan's coming. And they've already offered me. I wasn't going to to the open gym, I wasn't going. And I was like, all right, well, I have to go. You know, with Billy, Billy, and go go play a couple games.
1: At this point, where were you? Th- were you thinking about going to Florida?
2: I was going to Florida, probably. Really? Okay. Yeah, hadn't signed, hadn't committed, but I was going to Florida. I, I was like, yeah, oh, it's Florida, man. Like, yeah. that's where they I'm were, from. They were doing pretty well. Yeah, they they it already took me to see a football game, um, and yeah, they had. I mean, Mike Miller had just you yeah. know they had the momentum, they had the the, the juice in Florida, and. Game 3, I go up for a dunk and I slip off the rim. Is the the gym was old, it was hot and humid, and we're in Florida, no air conditioning. So there was a lot of condensation on the rim and I slipped off, broke my shooting hand.
1: Oh, broke my shooting hand. On the rim or when you fell? When I fell.
2: Uh. Yeah, and it was super painful. Uh looked like a snake, like it was just it was rough. It you knew it right rough. away. Oh, I broken. knew it, I was broken. Go to the hospital. Uh, have the surgery um, and a couple things happened that prevented me from recovering. Um, I didn't rehab. The doctor was like, you know, you're in sports. You'll get right back into it. Cause like that wasn't like early 2000, like rehabilitation. It's just kind of like, Oh, you'll be okay. It's like put testing on it. Like, you know, like <laughs> mm-hmm. you'll get out of the cast and you'll be fine. And it wasn't like a necessarily like a sports doctor, you know. We, we went to, you know, obviously a, you know, verified or... Yeah, reputable a, a, a hospital. And, reputable and an hospital, or, right? Yeah, yeah, but it's not like... I don't think they realize the action and motion of shooting and snapping your wrist. Um, and then I overdeveloped the left side of my body because I was still playing. Hmm. And I was shooting with my left hand, and I got really good at it. Hmm. I remember... Nike was having an exclusive camp of only like 20 players and they came down and watched me play and I just dominated with my <laughs> left hand <laughs> and I had like a sling on Holy and uh God, I forgot the guy's name who came down. Oh, George Raveling. Oh yeah. George Raveling came down to Florida. It was like Nicolaitis. There's a whole bunch of good players. Chandler Parsons, mm-hmm. John Roberson. There's a whole bunch of Keaton, like all those guys. And I I overdeveloped my whole entire left side. So when I came back from surgery, my mechanics of my left and right side were firing differently. Hmm. And I forgot how to shoot. Like, I didn't forget, but, like, my body wouldn't allow me to mechanically use the same form that I had been using my whole life.
1: And did you know that? No,
2: nobody could figure it out nobody realized that it was in my back everyone's like looking at my 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 arm and my wrist or they're trying to change my shot and then like i'm trying to change my shot i'm trying to figure it out like how did i you know and it was just a mess from down it was a mess
1: so did did the injury prevent you did anybody pull their scholarship offer no so how did you end up then committing to georgetown and and not florida
0: Patrick, Patrick Ewing Jr., Jr.
1: Uh, <laughs> who, by the way, left Indiana yeah. to go
2: <laughs> yeah, to Georgetown. Yeah. I didn't even know that at the time. Yeah, like, right. Uh, and I think watching that Duke game, I was like, all right, I'm going to go to Georgetown.
0: <laughs> and was it something a little bit where you felt like you could strike out on your own, get 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 a little bit out of out of your now home state and just kind of establish yourself as your own man?
2: Absolutely. And it's not like my dad wasn't involved in the college process. I think he was like, you know, I'm going to let you make your own decision. But his, like, college education in terms of, like, what college I should choose and what program, like, probably wasn't that much better than mine.
1: I was going to say he's so consumed with NBA. Yes, he's he's
2: coaching. He's just like, oh, yo, you know, senior. I've talked to him. Great guy. You know, I I know, you know. Roy Williams and Bill Self, great guys. Like, oh, you know, uh, who was this, Calipari, great guys. You know, like they see him at whatever camps or coaching clinics, so. The draft. The draft, that was basically my experience, you know, and that's kind of what led to that decision.
1: When you are going through your senior year and knowing that your game is now different. Way different. Do you start embracing the difference of your game or do you just keep trying to fight through it?
2: I didn't embrace it until my senior year of Indiana. Really? Well, I mean, listen, I'm, I went from like, I'm a kid, man. I, yeah. I think people forget like we're kids and like you, you're building up this skill and you're ranked and you're seeing all this and you have this pressure and like, I still feel like I can get back to where I was. Sure. And so I'm fighting it, man. Like I didn't, I don't really want to accept that I'm just not who I was anymore. Like I'm just, I, you know, you don't have that understanding.
1: Did you have to deal with any, depression oh my
2: god man it was crazy yeah really oh it was so like i remember
1: and by the way i know it's not that long ago but it's yeah. long enough ago that people didn't talk about it you're seeing it much now we, we just talked about it this morning where players that are dealing with mental issues and things like that are a little bit more open it's now a different time man. it is but back then you just bottled it all up bottled it up
0: and how important confidence is to being a good basketball player i'm sure that's more than 50 percent of the game right? yeah my confidence was rocked like i
2: i i knew i wasn't the player I was but I couldn't understand why like I I would work tires tirelessly I'd wake up at 5 a.m get to the gym at 6 shoot for hours and it's not like I wasn't putting I just couldn't understand why I wasn't translating and um I finally went to like one of these like Nike elite camps in the summer like I was like a Paul Pierce camp or something Mm -hmm. they had like a training staff and I couldn't lift my arms over my head. I had so much stress in my shoulder, in my traps. I couldn't even like raise my right arm over my head because I had so much stress and so much like tension. And, um, so they were looking at my back and when the doctors was like, dude, your left side and your right side don't work together. And it's called scapular dyskinesis. And I was, I, know, I was like, all right, <laughs>
0: how do we fix it? Yeah, and this wasn't, yeah.
2: at, you know, this wasn't diagnosed at Georgetown. It's not nobody's fault. Like,
0: I'm sorry, when was it diagnosed?
2: Going into my senior year at IU. Wow. Oh my. I didn't God. even
0: know. So it was, it was a, a doctor at IU, or no, it, it it was a at, oh, Nike at, the camp. Paul, at, at okay. this Paul
2: Pierce camp. You got, it, know? got it. And at this Pierce camp, by the way, was Steph Curry, oh, James Harden, Demar Derozan. And,
1: and you're guarding those guys. And I'm
2: guarding those And that's all I had left, man. Like, I realized going in my senior year, all I had left was defense.
1: All right, so let's backtrack to Georgetown because yeah. you get to Georgetown, and you experience college basketball at its finest. I mean, you guys are crushing it. Your team is stacked, and you go to the Final Four. And you are a key contributor on this team. You're not a scorer. No. But you are used a lot. You're playing a lot of minutes. Are you starting your freshman year? I think I started a couple games. But you're playing 20-plus minutes. I was a six-man. Yeah.
2: At the very least, was a six-man. And you
1: go to the Final Four.
2: And go to the Final Four. I think that year we won 18 in a row. Wow. And we lost our last game in Syracuse. I mean, if you've ever been to Syracuse, Mm. it's one of the hardest gyms to play in, the depth perception. Sure. Because you're playing in a football arena. Yeah. Like, I was like, we were airballing. Like, we were all missing. We lost by 20. They stormed the court. They were so excited because we were number two in the nation. Wow. And then the tournament starts, and we just are on a roll. Jeff Green hits a buzzer beater against Boston College who had Jared Dudley at the time. Right. And I think, who's that athletic, like, small power forward they had? Um, He played for, like, a year in the league. Williams? What year would this be? 06, 07? Okay, let me look it up real quick. Really
0: athletic player. Uh, We wanted the buzzer. Uh, And even not having grown up a fan of college basketball, you're now getting into a March Madness run. Are you feeling the fever? Are you starting to understand what the excitement is about? took it for granted yeah Like looking
2: back after as much losing as I experienced at, at Indiana like I didn't realize like how hard it was yeah to get there yeah and how hard it is to win mm-hmm. and be a, a, a good team yeah and like you take it for granted like we're like walking into the NCAA tournament like it's nothing we've lost three
0: games the whole year unbelievable You don't know that in the moment. There's probably an advantage to that. You're not getting psyched out or freaked out. You're like, yeah, well, this is we belong here. This is how it's supposed to go.
2: Yeah, exactly. McDonald's all Americans littered all over the team. Uh, We play North Carolina in the Elite Eight. Mm -hmm. Ty Lawson, Wayne Ellington, Tyler Hansborough. I mean, you know
0: birth of a final four on the line
2: i basically played that whole game i was picking up ty Lawson in full court just trying to wear him down i think he scored six points on the game eight yeah. points like not a lot one of my better defensive performances of my career for sure with two sides of your
0: body not getting along you're still figuring it out not even working honestly i they weren't even working
1: crazy it sean marshall or tyrese rice Oh, I forgot that no. Rice was on that team. Sean Marshall, Sean Williams. Sean Williams. Sean Williams. That's
2: he even played in the NBA for a little bit. Sean yes. Williams, yeah. Super athletic. Uh, but I think – I don't remember the first team he played against in, the, in that, that year. Okay. But it went Boston College, Vanderbilt, UNC, Ohio State. Mm. Final Ohio
1: State with Conley and, and – and, and Daquan Cook. Oh, yeah. They were crazy. And
2: I thought we were the better team. Actually, I really did. And we ended up losing by six. Jeff Green had five points.
1: Mm. Did you guard Conley?
2: I did. I guarded Conley.
1: Was it like a point of pride because he got so much attention? You were ranked right right with him in high school, and did you just want to shut him down? One hundred percent. Yeah, I
2: remember like checking in, and like I think it was like fifty thousand. I mean, it was it was uh, Peach. We're at the uh, what dome was it? In Atlanta. In Atlanta
0: that the it still would have been the Georgia Dome thing? Georgia Dome yeah yeah,
2: Georgia yeah. Dome. the Georgia Dome Mo- the most surreal experience of my life like I don't even remember it it was a, like it's hard to remember like the the magnitude of it um I'm the first player off the bench butterflies butterflies okay. I mean that I've never experienced yeah yeah I check in and like in my mind I'm like I have to make an impact in a positive way just to get going I, like, drive baseline, they, like, they close out on me, and I, like, do, like, a no-look dump pass to Roy Hibbert for a dunk. Yeah. And I'm, like, all right, we're in here. <laughs> like, we're, 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 you know, and um, I remember at halftime there was, like, a little tension in the locker room. We had a – I don't want to name any names. But we had a player two upset about their points. Mm. and shot attempts and most of the locker rooms like yo you know we're in the final four
1: yeah, it doesn't matter it's, it's not about you right we're
2: trying to win and um i definitely thought that contributed a little bit sure. to our loss and our best player didn't have a great game i mean i know jeff Gave it all he could. Just didn't play well. Right. Roy had a great game. I think Roy had 24 and like 12. Odin had an amazing game. This is a it was a weird game. It was you know, we are just it felt like both teams were just jabbing each other the whole time. And it never really like had a moment of like back and forth. Hmm. And uh
0: like, like not a great flow.
2: It wasn't a great flow. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a great game. It was low scoring nerves whatever you want to chalk it up to and then Ohio State met defending champs Florida yeah Florida I mean Florida was incredible it,
0: were you able to enjoy being in the final four that like showing up into town and realizing we're at the center of the universe I mean, right now it was
2: incredible man um thing like Clev- the Cleveland Cavaliers gave us their plane or we're able to use it for to get there I mean wow we're talking about like sofas and flat screens and we were
0: just crystal like, I'm sure basically yeah. basically yeah the crystal airplane <laughs> yeah you know
1: uh the experience was what at what point or did it ever happen did you somebody who grew up in the NBA world like you said mm-hmm. when did you realize oh this is college basketball i mean georgetown had good support then uh you're playing in the Big East, like big time basketball, but did it ever click like oh this is why people love college basketball?
2: I would say I'm trying to remember like what yeah, playing at Pitt, okay. Tough environment.
1: Who was was Dixon the coach? Then? Yes, Dixon. Yeah. I
2: think it was Landry Fields. Oh, yeah, good teams. Um Sam
1: I won't remember.
2: Man, I'm trying to think of his last name. But Aaron Gray. Oh, I remember Aaron Gray. Just yeah. a tough, they were tough. But that gym was like college, small, yeah. great environment. It kind of felt like Cameron indoor a little bit. It had that like feeling. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, head coach Tomlinson from the Steelers is there. Ben Roblesberger's there, like watching us play. It was just, I was like, man, like, okay, I get it. Like, mm-hmm. and. It was just an, it was just an incredible incredible experience, and I I loved playing at Pitt. That's cool because you have to understand, like even Georgetown, like we played the Verizon Center, right? Play where the Wizards play, like mm-hmm. that's a NBA yeah gym. But you didn't what? sell it out, right? No, but even then, like it didn't feel that college, right? It's experience, not a college environment. you know.
0: And and did you? Because I'm going to assume, and we'll get to this later, that you felt that fanaticism and passion of the Indiana fans, and and this is our school, even our state, in Georgetown, you know, you're there, you're big city, it's a great academic school, politics is like the real sport in that area. So did you feel the same sort of uh, reverence and focus on basketball there, or were you more just one of many things students could check out? Because with a final four caliber team, you know how bonkers Bloomington would go. But with Georgetown, I guess I don't know that much about the actual, you know, the students and the fan base there locally. How rowdy yeah. did I get? It was as
2: big as a deal as it could be. I sure. mean, I
0: think on campus is like 6,000.
2: Right. my, yeah. that's the size of my school. high school. My yeah. high school was 5,500. 5, wow. Yeah. Like we had a massive high school. Like So it was as big as it could be. And they, they did support us. Mm-hmm. Uh, the city of D.C. supported us, Maryland, Baltimore, like they supported us. You know, Virginia. Um,
1: you were also there at the. This was as good as John Thompson Jr. got it. Hundred percent. I mean, this was like, oh wow, th- he is going to fulfill the legacy of his father. Hundred percent. And this is it. So it was. It was as big as Georgetown could be. Hundred percent.
2: But we had like a lot of issues. Like you had all these McDonald Americans, and we were running Princeton offense. Mm. So there's so much back and forth between the coaches and the players. Like, we're just fighting the offense so much because, like, we wanted to run and we wanted to gun and shoot and do what we did in AAU. And, like, the Princeton is so fundamental, so restricting in that nature.
1: You know, it's, it's – The Princeton offense It's, like, mathematical. Is, right. And it's a great offense oh, when, 100%. You, when you don't have talent. Yeah, lesser talent. Right? Like That's, that's, that's the stigma. And we, as players, that's how we felt. Right. So you're coming back for your sophomore year. At any point after your freshman year, did you think about transferring? Yes. And why stick around the second year?
2: I loved John Thompson Jr. Great coach. Great person. Coaching staff was awesome. Um, Did not enjoy the basketball part. Uh, It was tough. I'm fighting. I'm still fighting myself. You know, like, man,
1: like. Why am I not what I was? Why am
2: I not what I was? I'm spending the most hours I can in the gym.
1: Are you talking to anybody at this time about how hard it is for you? You're talking to your dad? No. So you are just literally bottling it up. Yeah,
2: man. It's just tough, man. I think my my dad was starting to feel it, though. Mm. And we'll get to it my sophomore year. But I wasn't happy, man. And, you know... A lot of the – there's a lot of jealousy on the team. I always say, like, I don't know how we got to the Final Four.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I was like, was it despite the Princeton, because of the Princeton, you know?
2: Yeah, so, like, the Princeton the players don't like, so then, like, no one's getting their shot. So, like, then jealousy ensues, and misery loves company ensues, and there's clicks, and mm. nobody really liked each other. Uh, you know, Roy and Jeff were kind of on their way to checking out. They are seniors.
1: NBA awaited both.
2: NBA awaited both. Um, we had McDonald, like we had like top three players. Like Vernon Macklin was, yeah, I mean, a I monster. Remember. And then you he, like, he's ready to go one and done. Like, that's what everyone's saying. Dewan Summers, one and done, you know, uh, Austin Freeman coming in, Chris Wright, my sophomore year, one and done is supposed to be, you know, and it's not happening. And so it created a lot of tension in the locker room. Mm.
0: And you knew coming into sophomore year, here come this next batch of freshmen that are all expecting theirs.
2: A hundred percent. and, You know, to John Thompson's credit, like, we didn't practice ever. We were the most out-of-shape team in college basketball. So John Thompson was dealing with a personal issue; His wife was sick. I think 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 it's known. Like, she had cancer. So he was never there. Mm. Like, he was there as much as he could be. Like, he was dealing with his wife was sick. You know, he had kids. He had a family. But, you know, it's hard to understand when you're playing. And, you know, we're not practicing much. And when we do, it's, you know, we're just Princeton and, and, you know, I remember, we pra- I remember one week, like, we think we practiced twice the whole week, and we had the whole wow. week off. Like, we had the, the rest of the week was off. But I get it. Like, he was dealing with a, s- a matter way more serious. And so, were you in there getting up your own shots? Of course. You- yeah, yeah, of yeah. course. But not the same. Not necessarily everybody was. Right. right. And definitely not necessarily everybody was doing conditioning.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: We were grossly out of shape. <laughs> 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 I can't even, like, guys were 15, 20 pounds overweight. Wow.
1: How insane. did you make the Final Four?
2: Because the Princeton didn't require us necessarily be in great shape. Got it. You know, we're we're using the clock. Right. We're slowing the game down. You know, you
0: dribble, dribble, spin, backdoor cut, pass, cut, you know. And you're man-to-man on defense. Man-to-man, zone, mixing it up. Yeah, you know. zone you can slack. Or if you're just better talents and athletes than most of the competition, you don't have to be in tip-top and that's shape. before
2: analytics, man. So, sure. So, you know. Everyone's playing through the post. Yeah. Not that many great jump shooting teams. A couple. You know, they had some sharp shooters. Scotty Reynolds uh, for Villanova was one. But not that many. Right. Everyone was penetrating, you know, dumping it down low, cutting.
1: So And, your so- you, and you have Roy down there.
2: And you have big old Roy.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so your sophomore year starts. Sophomore year starts. Uh,
2: I improved my jump shot somehow.
1: Kay. It's getting better. Well, I would imagine even if your body isn't working the way it was – you are adapting to your new body, and you're figuring it out. Yeah. Even if what what obviously happened was the ceiling now yeah. on what your body could do was so much lower than what it was two years before.
2: Shooting coach number five. Wow. At this point, my you know I'm just mentally and physically exhausted and spent. Honestly, confidence shook. Confidence shook. I'm just doing my best. Um, sophomore year ensues. I actually started out the year like. 60% from three and shooting a solid volume. Wow. Solid volume. Um, and just the rigors of the season. I sprained my ankle. I get back, you know, the team moves on like what you don't understand. Like in college, like you get hurt, the team moves on, man. And like, you're out of the lineup, you're out of the rotation. And like, whatever you were before that isn't what you're going to be unless you're the best player. Like hands down,
0: and you start feeling isolated. Yeah, you feel isolated.
2: You're just like, how, you know, how am I going to get back playing? You know, the, these new McDonald Americans they signed, you know, are now getting your minutes, and it's just a it's a whole it's a difficult process, man.
1: Absolutely. So you said before that at some point your dad, yeah, could really tell that something was wrong. How did that so play
2: out? back in the NCAA tournament, I think Sweet Sixteen. We should go to the Final Four again. Like, we're that good still. We go up against a guy named Steph Curry. (laughs) And we're up 19 and a half. Wow. We're we're blowing him out. I am guarding him probably, I mean, if you look back to those tapes, better than anybody had in the first half. I'm pinching him. I'm doing like little things that like refs can't see. Like literally pinching oh, your yeah, skin. Because like it, it irritates you. You start thinking about me pin- <laughs> when, when, I'm, when I'm pinching you next, you know? And I learned it because people used to do it to me in AAU. Really? This guy that you get real close to somebody, right? And right under their jersey, you just like pinch their arm real quick. Real quick. <laughs> it's like that little old school stuff. Yeah, like it's that. little mental tactics, man, that I would do. And I was holding his jersey and playing ultra aggressive. And I didn't care about my fouls. I was like, I'm going to play so aggressive, they're just not going to call him. Right.
1: They can't call it on every play. can't
2: call it on every play. Rub 19, he has maybe five points at half. Wow. Maybe. maybe, th- maybe it might have been three. Okay. Second half, I'm not starting, though. So, I'm basically first off the bench, especially for this game. He hits a couple shots to start the quarter, and he's at, like, ten. You know, he hits two threes, layup, and... We change our defensive scheme. We start switching on everything. Oh. So it didn't really matter if I was on him or not.
1: Right, because the second a pick comes, you're not on him. Either. And they
2: figured it out. So they start putting me in pick and roll every play. He ended up with
1: 35.
3: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: and to this day, best basketball player I ever played against. Really? I don't even have a close second. Based on that, o- outside of Greg Oden's, like his prowess like who he was and his like dominance steph curry best player ever played against that that that's my experience yeah that's That's, my that's my experience best player ever played against
0: that's incredible did did you have an idea walking off the court that day that he was going to do what he did no
2: no i thought he was gonna be successful Mm -hmm. i didn't know he was gonna be steph curry
1: yeah who i mean even michael jordan who was i think did he i don't think he won back-to-back college player of the year but came close yeah uh Nobody knew that Michael Jordan coming out of college where he barely, you know, he didn't score 20 points a game would be the best player ever. But yeah. but what Steph, the, the difference between what Steph did in college and what he has become is just, I, I mean, there's never been anything well, he, like it. he
0: revolutionized the game, right? And, and when you look at his build and his size, that it's just like, well, what's a ceiling on this guy before the whole game changed basically because of what he was able to do?
2: Uh, he doesn't give nearly enough credit as he deserves. Wow. He's changed basketball. Yes. He went from kids dunking in layup line and that being cool to kids shooting 30 footers in layup line. Step back threes. Step back threes. I I was
1: telling, I think I was telling you that I don't play pickup basketball anymore because I just can't, but I did like a year ago. Yeah. I was shocked. Everybody is shooting step back threes in pickup basketball. They can't do it, (laughs) but that is what people do. It is because of him. It's because of him. He created it. Look up, Look at your kids' layup lines. Go to AU games.
2: They're all shooting the race. Mm. Steph Curry, man, like whenever that 30 for 30 comes out or whoever Netflix wants to do it. Yeah. Like it needs to be his face and be like some something of the title of like I changed basketball or like. Right. You know.
0: Well, and I had basically once the dreaded Lakers took out my Pacers in 2000. Yeah. And and I couldn't watch Pacers games from here. I kind of checked out of the NBA yeah. until Golden State came on the scene. And that got me so, so in love with the professional game that it was really something like just for me, it changed me like, oh, this is this is a beautiful thing to watch with the spacing and the passing. And then
2: he's electrifying the
0: Splash Brothers.
2: He's been out a year almost, give or take or not a year. But he's been out what, six months with his injury. Yeah.
0: Did you see when he came know,
2: back? How electrifying that game was just to watch him. No, yeah.
1: he is. It's for somebody who just shoots. Yeah, it's amazing. So you lose that game in the in the NCAA tournament your sophomore year. Yeah,
2: I remember. I remember coach yelling in the locker room like Roy, you know, you're checked out. And he was. Roy was ready for the league. I don't blame him, man. He mm-hmm. was ready. The team was in disarray internally in the locker room. Everyone's fighting each other. Nobody likes each other and I was like this is miserable. Mm-hmm. I was literally flying I wasn't even staying on campus. I was staying at my brother's AU coach, him and his family basically took me in in Virginia. I was staying out in Virginia. Wow. I wasn't even staying I wasn't Just even Just cuz it was a miserable, miserable
1: experience. Mm. Okay?
2: It was miserable. Um, and you know, I would fly home as much as I could. Like and one thing like at that time, like, I'm indoctrinated in Florida. Like, I'm a Florida boy now. Like, I'm in D.C. It is cold. <laughs> yeah. You don't see the sun. <laughs> I have all this pressure, you know, internally, whatever you feel. I'm not the player I was. Like, I'm just dealing with so many emotions. And I'm just like, I need to get home. I'm just so I'm flying home all the time, as much as I can. or going to Boston to see my dad. And my dad flew to D.C. He, like, hit me in the morning. like, hey, I'll be there this afternoon. I was like, "Oh shit! All right, am I in trouble? (laughs) What do I do?" Yeah, we go to dinner, and he goes, "I know you're not happy." He goes, "My dad's the last person to like change or transfer, give in." But he just knew I wasn't happy, and it wasn't about basketball necessarily. It was just like I wasn't in a good place there. And he goes, "Let's look at options." And that's
1: did that relieve some stress for you? Did you immediately think like, "Oh." A new lease on life a little bit? 100%. 100%. And then how does that process start?
2: We talked to Kansas. Like still, even though I wasn't the player I was, like still big teams were knocking on my door. Sure. I think they. I was still extremely athletic. I mean, I was running like four 340s. Great size. Good size. And played defense. 40-inch vert still. Great defense. I still felt a value. And so yeah, Indiana, uh, Kansas, Fort State, Georgia Tech. When they had like, you know, Jared Jack had just left Crinton, mm-hmm. They had a good team. Yeah, uh, Guani Luau. Like they had good players. I did. I, I really did like Georgia Tech. It okay. came down between Georgia Tech and IU.
1: Well, let's talk about IU now. because yeah. Now here is where Indiana first enters your life. What is the first experience you remember where Indiana became a player? In this sweepstakes for Jeremiah Rivers, and how how did that happen?
2: My visit, in mean, Bloomington, man. The fans. They, like, I, I didn't expect anybody to recognize me. I've been at Georgetown. I've been in a
0: whole different conference. What what time of year did you get there?
2: end of spring oh, it was it was warm good like, it time was a great day Pretty Pretty time much. no room. i remember was, i remember how sunny it was, I was we stayed at, like the Hilton. and they put us up we went to uptown cafe yeah which is still one of my favorite restaurants to this day i'm with yeah. you to this day um we had a call with isaiah thomas who my family's close with i'm close with to this day i, I was just with him not too long ago I think, I
1: think that's a recruiting violation, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> Family friend, though. Yeah, yeah, Family friend. Family friend. Family friend first and foremost. This is my parents' wedding. There you go. <laughs> <and foremost. laughs> there you go.
2: Yeah. All right. so. But
1: did you know Tom Crean at all? Yeah, yeah. Because of, of Marquette in Georgetown? Because of Marquette. Like, I, I remember
2: my dad got his – my first college experience ever was going to my dad's Jersey retirement. Oh. At Marquette. At Marquette. And Tom, did Tom orchestrate that? I don't. He, he's good at that type of. That's what I'm those saying. That things. seems I'm, like he something. had to been behind it, right, to yeah. some degree.
1: Did your dad have a relationship with Tom just because of the Marquette thing? Yes. Okay, and yeah. they were friends, sure, friendly. Okay, yeah. friendly. So friends. he told you this guy's a good dude.
2: Yeah, like you know, we went to a practice and. You know, you're, you know, I'm like, OK, sure. Yeah, but back, back in that time, I was I was in middle school, I went to, you know, Marquette practice. Right. Yeah.
1: But now he gets the job at Indiana. Yeah. You're visiting before he's even coached at Indiana. Yes. Right. Because yeah. he has just come over the campus. You fall in love with it.
2: Oh, my goodness. Yeah.
1: And then you uh, the first time you get to meet Tom Crean, mm. what was your first impression of him?
2: My first impression was that he was intense, but like, what's my first impression of Tom Grant? That's a good question.
1: Did you, I guess, let me, I'll be more specific. Yeah. Did you realize he was a crazy person the first time you walked no, away from no, a meeting no. with him? Okay.
2: Maybe a little off or just different, okay. but no, I didn't realize what was about to ensue for the <laughs> right. next three okay. years. Okay.
1: Yeah. uh so you uh you go through the process you commit to indiana yeah. do you call him to tell him you're coming and, and yeah yeah do you remember yeah. that phone call yeah i
2: remember calling uh who was it george was it Hugh, hewitt George uh, georgia Yeah, oh, head coach oh, yeah. Co- uh, paul hewitt yeah man pies. Well, i hated making that call yeah that's i dumb. really liked him we bonded really well i still had we still have like friends and family in atlanta where my dad was with the hawks and like it was
0: real close so, so what was the deciding factor
2: um, Or factors Tom Cream was one of them It was kind of going to be my team Right You yeah. know like the,
0: the cupboard was pretty bare
1: There was nobody wise. there yeah. Well I'm curious about that When yeah. he was recruiting you Because yeah. that's what's happening here Do you have any idea Or does he admit How bad the team is going to be
2: I don't think he knew Really mm, I don't think anybody knew Okay Maybe he knew but We know we're naive We're like oh we're going to we're gonna win, right? You mm-hmm. know, we're like, right.
1: you know. Yeah. Did you know any of the players that were on the team or nope. that he was recruiting at nope. all? Nope
2: they my they part paired me with Devin Dumas. Oh boy!
1: Uh, somebody <laughs> told me Devin Dumas murdered someone. He did. He murdered a human being. I think that happened.
2: I don't like. I don't know all the
1: facts. Wow. I know somebody just told me that today. I was like, I knew that he was a weird guy.
2: He's been he's been his... through a lot of legal. So when when they put you with him, what was he like? He was great Yeah I mean we used to go to Indianapolis with his family Like man It's always good to stay on the good side of a murderer Yeah man Dude like Devin Dumas man I had a great relationship with him All right, And like I didn't know like he came from a very troubled family Sure Dad was in prison Drugs Crime Mm. Okay You know it was kind of like you are who you hang with. You are your environment. His brother. I mean, it was.
1: No, when you say they put you with him, you mean your freshman year. That was your roommate. That's my roommate. Oh, yeah. Not freshman. Yeah, year, we lived. Year, we, year. we
2: lived in Campus Crossing.
1: I don't know Campus Crossing. It was a campus apartment Crossing?
2: Com- yeah, apartment complex. We had, we had a nice little apartment. Not Varsity Villas. Varsity Villas. Yeah. Oh, is it? Varsity, varsity villas? villas, yes. <laughs> right by the stadium. Yes, right Varsity Villas. <laughs> That's where I lived. Oh, yeah. man. Junior Beut- year, baby.
0: Beautiful place. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, it was just me and him.
2: We, yeah. had, we had a nice spot. Yeah. Um, yeah, like his mom would bring food over. I love his mom, man. Like his mom is such a sweetheart. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think uh, yeah, Devin Dimmons had it tough since he left, man. I, he came from Eastern Michigan, I think, and he yeah. played well there, and he's actually pretty talented offensively. Obviously, him and Kareem didn't get along. And by my sophomore year, or my junior year when I played, it was,
1: I mean. So now you get there. Yeah. You see a team. I I am curious. You're sitting out that year, which has to be difficult. But you're sitting out watching a team that, by all intents and purposes, is the worst team to ever play at Indiana University. I don't Mm -hmm. even think it's close, really. Mm -hmm. I would argue that potentially some of your AAU teams might have been able to give that team a run for their money. We would have beat them. (laughs) (laughs) No, um, I know that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. For sure. My Nike Team Florida team? Yeah. We would have mopped them.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So when you got there and saw that, did you ever think like, oh, shit, did I make the wrong decision? Or did you think, all right, he needs a year to get his people in, and by next year... Some of these guys aren't going to be here. We're going to figure this thing out.
2: Yeah, I mean, yes. Also, I was happy, man. Like, Bloomington's awesome. Yes. Like, the fans were so appreciative and nice. Um, You have some crazy ones out there. Sure. But my overall experience. Yeah, you're sitting with (laughs) two. Yeah. My overall experience was especially, like, the whole time, but especially the year I'm sitting out, man... it was just, even though it was cold, man, it, like, certain times of the year, it was still nice, man. Like, mm-hmm. it was just a great college. I
0: had, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I, well, I was just going to say that that are you able to enjoy life a little bit more as an undergrad when you're sitting out a year? Or, or, because you're not traveling with the team, right? So you have a little bit more of that college experience that most college players may never get.
2: Yeah, and, like,
0: Coach Watkinson,
2: who was our yeah, – he, basi- he was basically my best friend because I'm with him every day. like right. Training extra, game days, up in the morning, training twice a day with him. We we're training twice a day. Like conditioning, basketball, conditioning, basketball, like biking. I mean everything. And I love Coach Watt. Didn't he end up going with Gordon? Yeah, Gordon. Now he's with Utah. He is. He's the, yeah. Is he strength and conditioning man, coach? Man, dude, Coach Watt is the, he's, he's the, man. the man. He's the man. Uh, he, was, he would like save us like he knew when we like because we were over training all the time mm-hmm. he would like purposely not do stuff we were supposed to do just because
1: he knew we were just spent okay. all right so let's get into this there has to come a time in that year that you're sitting out but still practicing with the team and experiencing everything that this staff has to offer where you realize this dude <clears throat> coach Crean, is a crazy man yeah and it goes from i'm so glad to be here Holy hell, what did I get myself into? When did that get crystallized for you?
2: Uh, yeah. My red shirt year, season. Obviously, we're, we're having a string of losses because we're just not good. Yeah. <laughs> but the players, I think, are giving maximum effort to their abilities, man. Um, we are... So you have an on the court allotment of time, and you have in the training room allotment of time
1: per NCAA rules.
2: Yes, per NCAA rules. I don't know if it's per per day, maybe or per week.
1: I think it's per week, like twenty hours per week on the court, something like that. Okay. Yeah.
2: But I think it's also per day. Okay. You just can't be on the court six hours. Got it. Right. You have a certain amount per day and then a certain amount total per week we're at the maximum for the practice time we've been out there four hours practicing for four hours Tom Crean college basketball practice four hours <laughs> 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 okay people are bleeding <laughs> people are exhausted practice is done he doesn't like it he's like all right how many hours do you have left? And looks at looks at Coach Watt. I think we have two or three hours left. He goes, oh, let's go to the track. We just had a four-hour practice. So we run up to the track, the indoor track, and he's like, we're just going to run you until you start throwing it up.
1: He actually says that. He yeah. didn't say that, but... But that's the—that's what everybody understands is about to happen.
2: Is this only outcome? I don't even know what he said specific, specifically. He goes, let's just run. We're running on the track. Guys are hurling. I remember Malik uh,
1: story. Malik story mm-hmm. from
2: California. From, from California is like, can't move and is literally like on the side puking. Tijon Job. Yeah. Puking um that must be a lot of
0: puke that's a big no
2: no we we are like we are like we can't even run and we were out there for an hour and a half man just it was honestly one of probably the worst day in in my college experience like on the court activities training whatever and it was just and after that i was like maybe the total day was we were going at near six and a half hours seven hours total and granted, we had already lifted that day. So, like, you lift before practice. You get on the court. You know, you're about four or five hours in. You're done. I mean, we we're pushing, like, six, seven, man. Oh.
1: Does anybody say anything to him? No,
2: I think there was there – was, I think the culture was, like, fear. I mean, like, that was, like, established. Right. I think, like, the front office, coaches, it was a thing.
1: Did you have any personal relationship with Crean at this? A point? little. Yeah, yeah. A little. Yeah. And because of your dad? Yeah. Because it's over the time. Yeah. And then does that moment start to deteriorate that?
2: Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Between both of us, for sure. Really? Yeah. And like, man, we're 18, 19 years old, man. Like, we're not like. I, like, no sympathy for like Tijon. He was Muslim. So during Ramadan, oh, yeah. in the summer, he cannot eat. So he'd wake up, you know, sundown, sun's up at five-ish. He'd wake up at two, three, eat 5,000 calories, whatever he could. It doesn't matter, man. By 4 p.m., you're on the football field running miles. We used to run the campus. I think it's like five, six miles with weight vests on. And we did more training than we did like basketball training
1: now I think some people that are listening to this would say well that's what Bobby Knight did too he would run guys till they puked and and the teams were good and because they were disciplined and they were in the best shape what is it that is like that line between tough love and just craziness did you did you ever have the perspective to go okay maybe this is going to end up being good for us or there was just no method to the madness.
2: But it was all the time. Yeah. I just think I get, you know, the Bobby Knight analogy, but it also, like, he he was, he was knew the limit, or he knew to get the most out of their players, like,
1: when to not. Right. Well, we have heard that from all the players we've yeah. talked to. That's what they, they yeah. all say that. Yeah. Yeah, 100%, man. But he creamed not We never felt that. Well, right?
0: and – you were growing up with a hall of fame coach as your father yeah so i would imagine more than most you have a coach's perspective a philosophy on how hard you have to push players to get the best out of them but you already said the guys on that team were doing the best they could and that physical exhaustion is not necessarily going to translate to better execution on the court with people who just weren't gifted. So did you did you understand pretty much right away this isn't making us better? This is just making us more miserable.
2: Yeah. And there's a lot of pressure. Green feels, he's at Indiana. It's you know, blue blood school and the team had been gutted and sanctions. we weren't good.
1: Right. And you weren't going to – that's the big key. You weren't going to be good.
2: Yeah, but I don't think he could see that. Right. One, Um, and I think he honestly felt – like, if I had like, looked back, I think he felt like
0: uh, this was the best way for us to be better. If you didn't have the skills, you would just have to be, like, the most incredibly tough, in-shape team to compete. But you can't be
2: if you're overtraining. If you're exhausted. If you're exhausted, like we're did anybody ever is it, anybody ever explain like our pregame routines to well, you? Well, I wanted to turn that about this
1: because because the the interesting thing was during this time it's a really complicated time because you said something right before we got into this little section about how the guys worked their butts off and they did as best as they could and when people talk about like the struggles Indiana's is having this year and people start questioning effort and things like that they all talk about those first three teams and they say even when we didn't have talent at least they played really hard Mm. and i remember as a fan i watched every second of every game because i respected what you and your teammates were doing out there because there was little to no chance you could compete with those teams on a talent for talent level yeah no question but you busted your butts and so then these narratives started coming out about the, the media that would come to games and sit through a shoot-around. Yeah, yeah. And they would say, oh, we were at the shoot-around today, and it was as intense of a shoot-around as I'd ever see. Guys were hitting each other, yeah, and Green man. was out there yelling, yeah. and it got spun positively. Yeah, positively. Yeah. And, and the flip side of that is much different than the, – the reality is much different than that. So tell us about the pregame.
2: When you're on the other end of that,
1: it's not positive. When you're taking
2: charges and – have bloody noses and scrapes, and you're doing sprints before a game, like in the shooter. Rather. Suicides. Uh, like rest. Like now. Like look how important rest is now. Right. Mm. Even for college athletes, it's it's done a 180. For NBA players, I mean, obviously, manage game, what are they load, load management. Manage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, that's the extreme. But there's a, a happy place, right? There's a there's a there's a medium there. And. We were just exhausted. Like even games that maybe we could have won or provided a better effort in terms of the box score statistics, we were so tired. Wow! All the time, I and mean, we were exhausted, man. And
1: was it common amongst the players to talk about this? Like, what the hell? Of course, going it's on? festering in the team,
2: and it's just like we're in shock. We're like, <laughs> you know, what do we do? Right. You know, and like. The coaches, everyone's gung ho. It was military, man. Like it's, it was, it was intense. And like I grew up with intense coaches, sure. fine. But my dad's intense. And like, but I also have this in my in my head, like how basketball should be, because of what I've been around my whole life. So I'm fighting that internally. I'm like, what? How? Does this help? Mm. How do these practices help us?
0: Now, while that's going on, you'd mentioned the the pressure Kareen was feeling. But I think we as a fan base had just come through another very traumatic chapter with a coach we thought was going to get us back to where we were going. And then that all blew up Samson? in our faces. Yeah. Yeah, Correct. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you feel outside of that, like on campus with the fan base, that, that it was? Because I think after 20 years of not having sustained success, you know, our reputation for impatience is is well known and somewhat justified as far as like, well, we're not just waiting on this coach for a year or two, but it's like 20 years of like, why can't we get back to where we were? But did you feel like the students and the fans understood how undermanned you were and that they were still supportive or were you getting bad vibes that way?
2: Didn't get bad vibes. I felt like for the most part, Fans, student campus, everybody had an understanding of how under man we were.
1: Yeah, because they supported the team. They supported I mean, yeah. the attendance was
2: still
0: great. incredible. You're it still was.
1: getting thirteen, fourteen thousand 14,000 people were showing up for a team absolutely. that was winning five, six games a year. Uh, absolutely. Do, uh,
0: does that help you at all get through this hell? Knowing yeah. Knowing at least there's a, a campus and a state that, that appreciates what you're trying to do?
2: Absolutely, and
1: our, my teammates were great. You were also in a weird position here because you're sitting out a year, but you're also, I think, I mean, outside of some walk-ons, you're the upperclassman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were you, And but it's your first year there. It's a new mm. system. It's a new coach. Did did people look to you as a leader in some yeah, way? 100%, yeah, 100%. And, and how hard was that to be a leader when you couldn't go out there and play, when you didn't have this, like, you didn't have a long relationship with Cream. Yeah. How, how did you manage through that kind of stuff?
2: It was tough. Yeah. Uh, not playing is really difficult, mm-hmm. you know, you're doing everything the team's doing, maybe more, you know, because you're just training all the time. Just and, and the practices are your games. Practices are my games. Um, you know, guys are frustrated, you're losing, there's just, you know, culture of fear there. And I think the players all felt, you know, I think pressure you know, being at IU in Indiana that, you know, comes from the fans and everybody. It's just Indiana. I mean, you get it. And, like, I mean, from the fans' perspective, like, I get what you're saying. You know, 20 years of it being a little rocky and unstable, and you're looking at other Blue Buds, UNC, do Kansas, just cruising along, along. along yeah. in the can down the road, being great. And so that frustration just naturally sets in. And I'm sympathetic towards that. I totally get that.
1: Now – the other thing that happens that's pretty momentous for Indiana during that first year that you're sitting out mm. is cream gets time get, for all the negative, And yeah. there is plenty to yeah. go around.
2: Yeah. He's a good recruiter. Oh my goodness. One of the best and
1: tireless. And he puts together with a shitty team, a really solid recruiting class that includes Jordan Hulls, Christian Watford, Maurice Creek, Oh man, Bobby Capobianco, oh, Derek. God. Yes. Derek Elston. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and this these are the guys that are gonna come for the first year that you're able to play in yeah. 09, '10. Yeah. Uh so that first season ends, it's horrible. You get this infusion of new blood, yeah, and about half the team goes away. I mean Malik Story, Nick Williams, like a lot of guys go away. Yeah. How weird was I mean, you're there one year, brand new team. Year two, brand new team. What was that like? Um yeah, it, it sucked. To see
2: like your teammates, like guys you you know, like they say, you know, you share your blood, sweat and tears with, I mean, move on and the infusion of new blood and d- yeah, it definitely wasn't easy, man. What what was
0: it like to have somebody like a local boy, Jordy Holes, come in? Nah, man, Jordy Hull's a sweetheart.
1: Yeah. I'm such a good guy, like such a good guy
0: and and does does uh somebody's perspective like that you know obviously he was still just a freshman he would become this this great leader of the team mm. do you start to get an understanding of what it means to be an IU basketball yeah, player yeah yeah
2: especially with Jordy Halls man like he was the gold standard for that right like he set the tone for being like not even IU but like an Indiana player
0: right like that from, from birth through the high school legend. We went to go
2: see him. I think me, Verdell, Jones, uh, who else was, who, did Devin go? I don't remember exactly. I know it was me and Verdell, we went to go see him and play a, a high school game.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, and I was like, whoa, I was blown away. I was like, this is incredible. And I was excited though. I was like, we're gonna be better this year. Right? Like, all these guys, we're gonna be better. I, I
1: 100% felt that. Well, the truth is you were better. But yeah. but it's college basketball. Yeah. Everybody gets better. Yes. And you're young and new and you're figuring out your role on the team. Uh, did Crean change at all in his demands on the court or was he still pressing you guys as hard? Maybe harder? No difference. No difference.
2: I we man I I thinking optimistically maybe we would have had a shot. At the tourney, if Maurice Creek didn't get hurt. Right, sure. I mean, that was a gruesome injury. Brutal. Never came back from it, really. Nope. Ended his career. Yeah. Um, I'll never forget seeing it live on the court. Kneecap was, like, down in his shin. (sighs) Guys, there's a picture of me, Verdell, was Capo. Like, literally, our faces are terrified. Mm. Good dude, man.
0: Um, We did get to talk to him and that he had... continued to have a professional career oh he tried his best you know that it was just like the 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 strength of somebody like that to when he started out incredible (laughs) like this guy was going to be you know potentially a lottery pick an all-american and to just persevere through that it showed really something to us just the the strength and the will he had and i think in that recruiting class, you know, we got to talk to Derek a little bit before we started, to, or about Derek, before we started taping. Like, these were, like, good dudes coming in. Oh, my goodness. Quality
1: and,
2: humans coming
1: in. Yeah. And By the way, they, we also failed to mention in your first year, because he gets overlooked, and I always try to to, to give him his due. Verdell, Verdell Jones. Oh, man. Great guy. Dude, Verdell's, I'm in his wedding. Really? Yeah, oh, he's no getting kid. married this summer. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. We had him on the podcast. Yeah. And awesome guy. He's a guy who gets overlooked because of, you know, the three years of, of struggles. But then he was there for that fourth year. But he year. also tore his
2: ACL. Yes, he did in
1: the last, in the game right before going to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, man. Just, it was so sad. Yeah, it's, it's just not fair. No, it's not, it's not fair. And
2: bad luck, whatever you want to chalk it up to, man. You know, he was really never the same after that either. It's just, you know, it's tough. You know, because... Yeah. You know your team moves on, and like I said, like he was dealing with that, and even my freshman year. Think about how good Tom Pritchard was,
1: right? Mm-hmm. Wasn't he like he was a he was a big time recruit? He was no, he was the like, he was on the Big Ten. He was he was close to Big Ten Freshman of the Year. Yeah, like he was. I know he yeah. was on the Big Ten All Freshman team for yeah, sure. Yeah. He was he was a stud his freshman. He was the only good thing about that year. So Tom Crean. They paired
2: me with him my second year because of my work ethic. Okay. Because they know how hard I worked and the shape I was in. Tom had weight issues, kind of like his whole sure ish, you know, time there. But they paired me with him to, like, help motivate him, you know. But either you want to be motivated or you don't. Right. Mm-hmm. My dad always said, like, I thought the one thing, like, with cream, like, he always tried to make players tougher. And my dad, my dad always told me, like, either you're tough or you're not. Like you just don't make someone tough. Right. You know, you're either gonna be tough or you're not. And I felt like that was just always,
1: you know, It it seemed driven like with Crean, I think you probably would agree with this, but I'm curious, that there was just zero I don't know what the word is, like there was no regulator on him. Mm. It was just always at an eleven, all the time, in everything, in the way he dealt with the media, in the way that he Talked to the rah-rah stuff yeah. it was like always at an 11 that's his way and that grates on people i mean it grated on the state of indiana truthfully yeah
2: yeah i think it, it just kind of grinds you down um i honestly i think he felt like that was the best thing like, i think he was doing what he his vision like that's what he felt he needed to do and i i can look back like i don't think anybody worked harder than him like, right i don't know if he slept like he knows all the plays and playbooks, like to the
1: to the to the ceiling, and yeah, you're you're changing defenses midway through a possession.
2: Car salesman, like the whole nine, like can sell you on anything. Like you get him in it, I don't think I would, outside of Coach K, maybe a couple of players in, t- in terms of like selling you to come to their to their school. He's got to be like top ten in that man, like maybe mm-hmm.
1: top five. Like he's incredible at talking, incredible. But it's not the other thing we've heard about him is that he's just not an authentic human being that when mm-hmm. he's selling, you can tell he's selling. And then when you get there, it's quite different.
2: Yeah. Like I think my experience, like, cause I already had a kind of relationship with him, my dad, like he didn't really sell me as much, but like on recruiting pitches and stuff, like man,
1: he was the best. Do you remember any recruiting visits? Like, were you there? You were there when Cody came, like, for his recruiting Yeah, season, I was. Right? Yeah, he's a good guy, man. Do yeah. you remember? I don't know him well, but, yeah. Do you remember at all, like, what Crean would tell you guys when they had, like, a big recruit come to town? Did he ever enlist you guys to be like, hey, this is how we're going to try to land this kid?
2: Sure. But also, like, we'd, we'd have to take them out and dinners and, you know, Kilroy's. If, right. You know. Still, Curlis wasn't 21, was it? Yeah,
1: no, it was. That's okay, dude. Okay. You know, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like, yeah, yeah. Devin Dumas was a Kilroy's, yeah, well before he was 21, I'm yeah. sure. Backs. Backs. <laughs> well,
0: now, when this, now that you're starting to play, I think yeah. one thing that heartened a lot of Indiana fans was mm. to see your father in the crowd supporting the yeah. program that yeah. was obviously struggling but trying to fight its way back up. How much did it mean to you? Obviously, th- through you getting to Indiana, he was instrumental. Yeah. But I think, put aside the whole fact of, of who he is as a, as a coach and a former player, mm-hmm. how much does it mean to have your dad in the crowd supporting you when things are tough?
2: Oh, a lot. Because he knew I was, like, basketball aside, like, he knew I was in a better place. I was happy. Mm-hmm. Like, I love Bloomington. Great friendships, relationships there, like, on the court, off the court. Um, and... You know, my dad's schedule was crazy, man. Like, they were – I mean, that year, they, they just came off a championship. Right. Like, he's everywhere. But for him to fly fly into Indianapolis and drive that hour, hour and a half into Bloomington, you know, stay for a day – you know what I mean? Like, it's, it means a lot. You, know, you don't yeah. have that much
1: time, man. It meant a lot for Indiana fans. I have to say, yeah. like, there wasn't a lot to root for. Yeah. No, and right. so seeing Doc Rivers, this yeah. championship coach and yeah. player that we all knew, in the stands at Bloomington is very cool. Oh, uh, Yeah. I want to talk about you a little bit because yeah. there was a lot of pressure on you. Sure, I mean, in many ways, you were pitched as like the savior, yes. like coming in to help. 100, yes, percent yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. And, and we were also sold like the Princeton offense didn't allow Jeremiah to play the game that he was going to play. Wait till he gets unleashed in a Crean offense. Yeah, yeah. Dwayne Wade, you know, like Crean's got away with guards. Yeah. Did you feel that when it came time to oh, play? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And absolutely. how hard was it when you got out there your, your junior year now where you're playing? Yeah. And offensively, it just wasn't there.
2: It just didn't translate, man. I yeah. think I had great practices. I, even, even some like the, the scrimmages, like I think I, I had like 22, 24. Like I was playing well. And then like the season starts, I'm playing okay, maybe averaging like 10, 12 points. And we go to Puerto Rico. And I actually play it really well. I think, I, I, I think my first game we played against Ole Miss, uh, around like 16-8 like and 4. Like, I had a good game. And I'm, I'm like, all right. Like, you're back. It's Here getting we go. there. It's getting there. And it just, like, my shot was just never back. You know, it was so volatile. And I think just over a course of time, like, it just throughout the practicing and my own pressure, pressure of – environment
0: and I just I just didn't have it
2: man like from an offensive standpoint yeah
0: did at any point you start to lose your love for play because of those pressures and those things you were fighting even with your own body
2: no I think I think it's it was more just a frustration and you're like I'm putting on all this work like why is it not translating like what is wrong like I and I start and like you know I don't know about my problem yet
1: right right right.
2: Right. like it's junior year like i don't know about the issue with my with my back so you just think it's just more work more work yes i Mm -hmm. mean um who was the assistant coach it was buckley buckley shooting coach shooting doctor supposedly call up buckley man we were in the gym every morning at six really i mean majority of the week unless it was just we're uh, you know you're just so grinded down your day off like even day offs, like we'd be in there 6 a.m shooting for two hours he seemed like a good guy Buckley. Buckley's a good guy, man. Yeah, yeah. I think I think assistant coaches. I felt like they were all pretty good guys, but when you're in the environment we were in with the pressure, I think Kareem's coaching technique or his his way it made them, you know, part of that was put on them, and then that was put on us. The yeah. fear,
1: everything. Well, yeah, yeah. I used to work for a guy who would say, "Shit rolls downhill." There you go. If the guy at the top is shitting on the people right below him, yeah. that's going to roll down to the people under them. Yeah. Shit rolls downhill. And yeah. it does. I mean, in business, in basketball, in sports, in any kind of an environment where there's a hierarchy, sure. if the person at the top is awful and yeah. is shitting on people, yeah. the people at the bottom
2: are going to get it too. It was a really tough environment, man. And, like, a lot of kids were young. You know, you have 18, 19-year-olds. Like, remember, um, what is this? we love this decision coach they brought. He only lasted half a year. Rashawn McCloud. Oh, yeah. Oh, we know
1: about that. He only lasted half the year. Yeah. There's a classic story of recruiting uh, Kyrie Irving. Have you heard
0: about this? No. So (laughs) the the, the
1: urban legend, the urban legend is Kyrie wanted to come to Indiana. This is the urban legend. Kyrie was really considering Indiana. It's like Indiana, Duke, and a couple other schools. But we were like in the driver's seat. And then they had the in-home visit. And Crean went with Rashawn McLeod, and Rashawn was the lead. Oh, I, I remember this. Okay. So the urban legend. Did happen. Is, the okay. urban legend, though, is the urban legend is not true, but it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Is that in the middle of the visit, Crean went and took a dump in the bathroom and didn't flush it, and then that ended the, <laughs> <laughs> the recruitment. No, that's not true. How did that happen? That's <laughs> <true>. How did <laughs> that urban legend come to be? Well, because here is what we understand happened: in the middle of that in-home visit, Rashawn. Was like being honest with Kyrie about Duke. Like, because Rashawn came from Duke. And so he was saying something positive about Duke, like not shitting on them. Yeah. and he Cre- went there. And, and Crean got so angry. Oh, uh, I believe that. He like yelled at him. I believe that. In the middle of the in home. I believe and that. And then ran into the bathroom and closed the door to like scream, <laughs> to like get his shit together because he couldn't handle it. That really happened? That I am told. That it 100% happened that Crean got in a confrontation with Rashawn in front of Kyrie and his family, ran into the bathroom to contain himself, and the family was like, what in the blue hell is happening here? I, I, I believe it. I, they got in a confrontation on the bus one
2: time. Oh, tell us. It was literally, I think Come it was, on. I think it was last, his last days. But you have to understand, like, he was our favorite. Mm. And I know Cream felt that. Ah, he didn't like that. What we love, man. He's a player's coach. Like he played. He said
1: he duke. Like Crean is also one of the most insecure human beings ever. So I am sure he felt <sighs> threatened by that. So tell us about the confrontation.
2: I I wasn't really paying attention. I was on the bus. There was a I actually think Rashawn McCloud was on a call recruiting a player, if I believe. So if I remember, and we were coming down from the plane and it has something to do with him, like not grabbing bags or something. <laughs> and like, I think he was fired two days later. They got in like an altercation on the bus oh and we were just all in the back, like quiet. I think he was gone two days later,
1: man. Wow. But that that Kyrie Irving story. Absolutely believe that. Really? Absolutely. Well, speaking of stories, I do have to ask you about two things okay. that your Did buddy Derek, Derek Elson... Coming from
0: the Tipton Tornado. Yes. Oh, goodness.
1: So the first thing he said is, "Ask, just say this, quote, so the rest is from Derek. Hey, Jeremiah, tell me about this Batman belt.
2: Yes, yeah, so... <laughs> IU Nation... <laughs> I stole Derek Elson's belt my senior year because it was an incredible belt. <laughs> <laughs> was it a Batman belt? Yeah, so it was all black, but it it was a uh, it was a click belt. So like, it was one size all, and it like would click to fit whatever waist you had. Yes. and it was just clean and sleek, a little futuristic. It was called Nuka Belt. Out, <laughs> they're out of business. It's N Nuka Belt, and he had a black one. And he let me borrow one time. Like, we're going out or something, and I'm clicking it. I'm like, this is a great belt. Like, you don't need a hole. You just click. And then you just, like, press a button and releases." Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on. Are you wearing one of these? Even better than that. Really? Way better. But look at this. It,
1: even easier than that. Easier than that? Easier. Because this belt, I fell in love with off a Shark Tank. <laughs> even even easier than that. All right, I was so it's excited. a little futuristic. And, and like By you, the way, yeah, I did just stand up and undo my belt. Yes, in front he did. Was yes, that awkward for a moment?
2: Weird. But we're over it. Yeah. All right, so, got a little weird. So
1: you stole the belt? Well, it was more like I borrowed and never gave back. I'm still borrowing. Right? So do you still, have, I the still belt. have the belt? You. He have, doesn't believe I have it. That's are, the issue. You, I have it. Do you, you have to send him a picture? Uh, you gotta okay. get who who has it?
2: It's it's in my it's in our family home. You gotta
1: in, is your mom there? Somebody's gotta take a no, picture. No, she's in Dallas. Are we wanna get gone. somebody. Get, to I'm gonna
2: get picture. I'm gonna get you guys a picture of it. I yeah, want to picture of this that belt. out. We gotta tweet that out. There was a moment where I was gonna send it back to him like a year ago. I just forgot. What, well, I did this with a pair of some
0: friends' sunglasses. Is you need to take it with you when you travel to like Mexico or other exotic locations. Yeah. And just always take a picture with the belt prominently displayed. Yeah. And, when and you text go down to, to him. tequila. <laughs> yeah. But Derek would not let it
1: go.
2: <laughs> like six years later, he's still hitting me like, bro. Or is that Bell
1: <laughs> now the other thing you told me to ask you is what about the time that you were conditioning and you and Bobby Capobianco ran into each other and gave each other concussion?
2: concussions Concussions? <laughs> what
1: that's the environment I'm trying to
2: explain to you so tell us about this we were running so much I just had my head down I wasn't looking up Capo had his head down wasn't looking up I forgot about that and we're on a
0: collision course and nobody knows it. And he he's a bull. Not not a small man. No, he's six,
2: eight, three hundo. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm just having my head down. We smack heads, bro. Oh. collapse. I was out a week. He was out two weeks. You just literally ran into ran each into other. Ran into each other. <laughs> I don't know if he told you. I hold the record for running the most stairs.
1: Now, because you're faster than everybody. No, no,
2: disciplinary. So what, conditioning.
1: Give me, give me an example of what you would do that Crean would think required disciplinary action. I, <laughs>
2: just everything. I got a Gatorade or something. That's right. how it felt. Like I don't remember like specific moments. I oh, I remember one time like he got on to, on me about something about a play, and I'm stubborn. And so I did the play the exact same way, and I scored. <laughs> and I looked at him, oh, God. <laughs> and I looked at him.
1: I ran the stairs the rest of practice. Look, you, you, so, the truth is, you deserve that so, probably. probably. <laughs> so when
2: you,
0: you're running the steps to to set a record. I'm assuming you're going from the floor all the way up to the top. uh, And
2: then uh, down, and then up, and then down. Ask Coach Watt. He'll tell you, I ran the most stairs.
0: And and is somebody charting those? Nah, nah. nah. They
2: they forget about you halfway. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, also, I'd run the stairs for, like, I'm trying to think, like, what other reasons I'd run. I mean, a lot of it was conditioning with Watt. I'd say, say like, maybe 70% of it was just because I'd get an extra conditioning or the year I was out, I'd be running tons of stairs. Um, But... Yeah, there was, like, a super downhill moment. Like, it, like our relationship was done after, after a moment. We were at playing at Purdue. And I don't know if I messed up the defensive assignment. I know it involved, like, me and Derek Elson. I, I don't even know whose fault it was.
0: We'll say Derek's. <laughs> let's, yeah. let's blame it on Derek.
2: <laughs> and, like, Coach Kreen got mad at me and took me out. And he's just yelling at me and blah, blah, blah. And, like, he, like, walks away. I just, like, wave him off with my hand. I like, just like, I'm just like, whatever. It's like natural instinct, whatever. I'm just like, man, like, you know, I'm pissed. I'm mad. Yeah. We're losing at Purdue, you know, Etwan Moore and Hummel. Hummel.
1: But who's the big? Juwan Johnson. Juwan Johnson mm-hmm.
2: killing us, man. I, like, wave him off of my hand. I guess someone showed him on the way back and, like, he just comes at me cursing on the on the bus and like i'm gonna drop you off outside of this on this random ass exit in wherever the heck we were in blooming or on the way back from purdue and like threatening and all this and i was like what? i don't even remember what i did like i didn't even remember mm. he like showed me the video and like rewound it rewound it rewound it rewound it. I, d- I don't even remember it you know
1: did he drop you off No, no, It's just obviously liability-wise, no (laughs) way.
0: So so one thing we do like to ask of most guests, especially those from outside of the state of Indiana, when did you realize how much you hated Purdue? Because obviously saying you don't hate Purdue is unacceptable. (laughs) So we just go straight to you come into this in-state, in-conference rivalry that goes back 100 years. Uh, I'll I'll open it up a bit. I didn't did realize how big of... to that?
2: Yeah, I, I did the best I could. I didn't realize how big of a deal it was until they beat us, like, the year I sat out. Right. Because it had not been a long time, I think, or something. It has been a while since I think they came in and won. Yeah, Samson. At assembly.
1: We, we had done well. Yeah,
2: you done well with Samson.
1: And Mike Davis, actually, and against Davis. Purdue, did yeah. well. Yeah, like, Purdue
2: hadn't came into assembly and won. Right, yeah. And so when it happened, I remember it was, like, like, walking on eggshells. Like, mm-hmm. I think, you know... But, see, like, then that was, like... It was That pressure Or that like Anger From losing They were just way better Right Like mm-hmm. of course They were gonna win But like Kareem would inflict that On our team Like it was our fault mm-hmm. You know Like we're trying man We're just not good no, like, We're depleted
0: We're done And was there ever Positive reinforcement Was there ever Attempt by him To lift up your spirits In a way that That felt genuine And ever worked Or was it just All negative reinforcement
3: Hmm
2: I mean, reflecting it all felt negative. Right. I'm trying. I'm sure there was a positive moment in there here
1: and there. Yeah. But the fact that you have to think that hard, like literally uh, the
0: listeners can't see, but but you had to look up into the corner of the room and try to remember a time that you were encouraged, which I just I I can't see it at any level, but particularly when you're still, you know, 20 years old. That was just his way. Like, I
2: don't know if that's how it was at Marquette. Like it may have been and it, it worked. And maybe it was, you know, his. You know, that's what he knew. And I know Izzo is a tough, hard-nosed guy. I, he comes from that that pedigree,
1: so like, I get it. Yeah, but we talked about this a lot too. Like Bobby Knight was like that too, yeah. but he was also a genius. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you ever see anything from Crean where you go, "Well, this guy's really good"?
2: I don't know. I. I think you just listen to the coach and you just try and do what he gives you, you know, and try to make the most of it. You're not, like,
1: analyzing it. Not
2: analyzing it. I mean, maybe a little bit my senior year. I mean, obviously I'm talking to my dad all the time. Right. You know? So, so what so is like, your dad and, saying? And he's that. watching the games. And, and, and that was part of, like, like, my deteriorating relationship with Cream was, like, he felt that. Like, mm. you said, you know how you mentioned he was insecure. Like, he felt that I was talking to my dad all the time. Of course. Um, this is my dad. Mm-hmm. Yes. What am I supposed to do? Right. You know yeah. what I mean? And... My dad's like, "What are you talking about?" He <laughs> <laughs> goes, "You're doing what before a game, right?" You know, so like I'm like, you know, I'm just I'm going into these practices like, man, like my dad's saying, like, man, what are we doing? Like, right. so I'm feeling that, yeah, you know, Um but no, I don't ever like felt I was like inherently or like subconsciously like, oh, he's a genius, not a genius. I, I was just—we were just doing what they—you t- they try told to us. get to the next day. Trying to get the next day. You know, we'll just play the game and
1: execute the game plan. I like guess that's, that's all we and knew.
0: So, so you get—you mentioned your senior year. Yeah. yeah. Can
1: I ask one question that happened during his junior year? Oh and yeah, sure. Because look, these interviews and these conversations are so great because yeah. they flesh out a story that we only had one view of, sure, which sure. is the box score, yeah. right? Yeah. And offensively, you you struggled. Yeah. But. Defensively, yeah, you were one of the most fun players oh, to watch you, defensively. Yeah, you would sit you. down in that stance. Yeah. you were big. You were long. Yeah. you could guard a point guard. You could guard the off guard. You could guard a small forward. Yeah, and but clearly, no kid, especially a kid ranked in the top twenty, prides himself on defense. No man, none. You want to score,
0: and it wasn't necessarily something Coach Crean prided himself on. Right. You know.
1: So when I,
2: did you make the? I'll, t- I'll tell you. Yeah. My going in my senior year. Crean made me out to be the pariah, like I hadn't lived up to anything. I, they're
1: threatening my scholarship. Really? They, wow. So he did do that kind of crap. Oh my crack.
0: goodness! Creaning was already started. Have you to heard happen. that term? Creaning? No. That
1: is what people coined. What he would do? He'd recruit a bunch of guys, and then at the end of the year, he would crean them by saying, "Get the hell out." Of yeah, here. yeah.
2: So he was threatening my scholarship. Uh, they would. They were only putting me in workouts with walk-ons. Ugh. And and that's like a strategy to try to get you to leave. A hundred percent, man. Trying to wear me down. Like, bro, you know what my dad is, man. Right. You're you know not gonna how I was now. raised? <laughs> like, yes, privileged, blessed lifestyle, more than we deserve. But my dad's from nothing. I couldn't even drive a car until I got a scholarship. Nice. Like, my dad raised me, like, with a lot of the intangibles that he was raised with, a lot of the principles he was raised with, like, you're not gonna wear me down, dog. Like I'm gonna actually show you why I'm valuable, why I'm going to stay. I didn't even talk to my dad. I didn't tell my dad what was going on. Hmm.
0: I was like, "All right, you want to try and F me over? We can play this." Okay. So, and then it was as as much probably as anything about pride, both and proving it to yourself and him that he couldn't beat you.
2: Yeah, I remember, I remember him like cornering me. They they uh basically he called me into the office. All the coaches were in there. And he's threatening me, like, oh, now you're done. We're taking your scholarship, blah blah blah. Unless you do this and that, like, like, like I'm a cancer or something. I'm like, what, <clears throat> what, what? Like, I'm, I'm shocked. Like, I'm like, what is going on? And so I'm like, all right, yeah, I, I agree. Whatever you guys, whatever, you know. And I'm like, all right, I am going to make them play me. <clears throat> I can't score. I'm not the player I was, but. I'm going to make you put me on the floor. I'm going to make Jordy Hall's life hell on the court. Mm. I'm going to pick up Oladipo. Like, so I knew I had a transition into something, whatever I had left in the tank. And I knew I had great legs. I knew I had strength. I knew I was quick and fast, just equally athletic as Oladipo before I got hurt with my ankles. I knew I could like match it. And I just grinded all summer. And I was like, well, this is what I have now. I have my defense. And no one's gonna tell me I'm not playing hardest. No one's gonna tell me I'm not the toughest. No one's gonna tell me I'm not picking up the best player. And the first couple games, Coach Cream wasn't playing me at all. And then I'm just continuing to grind, right? I'm continuing to grind the practices. And then guess who the best player in the nation was? High school player.
1: For your senior year? Yeah. Mm, I don't remember. It was my brother. Oh, Oh. yes.
2: Okay. So Austin's watching. Oh,
1: shit. And he's trying to recruit Austin?
2: Trying to recruit Austin. But Austin's like, everyone looks up to Austin. Austin was like a LeBron-esque magnitude high school player. Arguably top five mixtape of all time. Austin's watching me not play. Austin sends out a tweet. Killing Coach Cream.
1: Mm. Wow.
2: I don't know about it. It's middle of the game. After the locker room, like Defcon Zero, <laughs> World War Three. I walk in and they pull me out. They pull me in the alley and they're like, "Uh, uh um, some, something's happened." I'm like, "I'm like what?" Oh, I'm like, "I'm not playing." So I'm like, "What's happened?" He goes, "Uh, your brother said something." I'm like, "What do you mean?" And they show me a tweet, and I was like, "Oh, all right." And they're like, oh, we got we, we got to deal with this publicist, blah blah blah. I, someone, my brother had ended up deleting it. Um, but I was like, hell
3: yeah!
2: I'm like, you're like, Yo, that's my brother, man. Like, yeah. and now you're threatening. I, my brother knows how good I am, even though like offensive side is gone. Like, me and him had wars that summer playing basketball. Mm. Like, he knows me. Like, he knows I should be on the court playing, yeah, yeah, even yeah. given my restrictions right now, right? Yeah.
1: He, Here's the tweet. Here's the tweet. Sometimes I wonder why my older brother went to Indi- IND. Because Tom Cream, by the way, I yeah, spelled <laughs> it wrong. Because yeah. Tom, Tom Cream is a joke. My bro deserves more respect. Yeah, man. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, man, that happened and then he That's tried to backtrack man. and say somebody hacked Someone hacked account. My account. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now wait, but this wait. is great because you are cutting into what cream protects the most, his image. Yeah. It's perception, it's public perception. Well,
0: and it's not you. You know, it's not you, but but the fact that you're even drawn to the side and like, you know, you think somebody died the way they're talking to you about it, it's it just kind of shows in terms of the misplaced animosity that, you know, and insecurity that you spoke to earlier, yeah. Eric, that that's, you know, and and does this turn around into you end up getting out on the court yeah. directly after that?
1: Yep, yeah. it puts so, me on the court. Crean's insecurity is greater than his, like, personal... I don't even know what it would be. I mean like conviction. Yeah, exactly. Uh,
0: I mean like oh, you know what? Austin probably knows better than I do. Well, I no, I think it's him
1: less, him less him than that. I think it's just about he couldn't possibly let public perception be that he's disrespecting Jeremiah. Yeah. because it would kill him in recruiting AAU coaches like he couldn't look like an asshole.
2: Right? Yeah, yeah man. So I played a little the next game. I played well. Like just listen, like I don't know like how big plus minus stats were recorded at that right. time but like that was kind of my niche hmm. was my defense and my plus minus like i know my plus minus was really good and i was affecting the game in a positive way even though I couldn't shoot wasn't an offensive threat really but
0: how I focused play. were you on deflections
3: yes <laughs> please talk to us about deflection.
1: deflection charts oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Seeing Jeremiah's face is one of those times where I do wish we We were were, were, were streaming has anybody brought up the towel drill?
1: No, no, no. no. Tell us. No one's brought
2: up the towel. Derek didn't talk about the towel
1: drill? Tell us what the towel drill is.
2: To make us tougher. (laughs) 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 They would get like a bath towel and they'd twist it up and tape it into like, so it's like solid, tight, tight towel and they'd hang it over the rim. So you have right side and the left side. They'd put me... On the three-point line, let's say Christian Wofford, on the opposite three-point line, right wing, left wing, they blow the whistle, and we both have to run to the towel and grab it. We usually grab it around the same time. And you had to fight till let go. So someone gave
0: up. Like rolling on the ground. with it. I
1: mean. It was just tug of war.
2: It was war.
0: <laughs> what?
2: We weren't tough.
1: <laughs> Did anybody get hurt? Yes, during-
2: people got hurt. I know for a fact that Jerrell McNeil almost suffered brain damage from
1: it. Whoa. Yeah, Because just fighting, hit, head hits the ground.
2: I mean, it's not like a fun, like, eh, no, we are like almost, we're almost fighting.
0: Wow. It's yeah. my Lord of the Flies shit. I, I, I this is, you, we got into the senior year and, and going back to like the beginning of it or or even during it a couple of these guys come in one of them you already mentioned a guy named Ola Depot uh, that's a good dude man you know Golly, and, and will came in there too she yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so just well, tell oh, us boy. a little bit about those guys both personally and and what they brought to the court
2: man Sheehy was a freak athletically I didn't I know I I, I didn't know who's coming up at high school at the time but fun guy mm-hmm Super athletic, and all. Depot was like a project, but not really. Like he was real good, even in like his freshman year. I was like, oh, this dude. and my dad saw him play one time. He's like, "He's a pro, really." One time, as a freshman, came to a game. After the game, he goes, "All Depot's gonna be top ten pick." Wow! And I was, and I, and I was like, "I was like, really? <laughs> I, I didn't like. I didn't know. I was like, I didn't." I, I knew he was good. I I figured he'd be a pro at some point, but I was
0: like, my dad's a top ten pick. Wow. I'll never forget that. I'll wow. never forget that. Because we always think that he came he came to Bloomington with a lot of athleticism, but that so much of his story in Bloomington is like how he worked so hard to develop the skills. He did work hard. Yeah, yeah he did. But that your your dad could see the writing on the yeah. wall before any of that really happened.
2: Yeah, I mean, listen, it didn't translate in the NBA immediately. Right. I mean, he no. had he struggled. In Orlando. And a lot of it was in Orlando. I, I mm-hmm. don't know. That's a whole nother subject, what they were doing. <laughs> and I remember telling, I remember, I don't know if it was Alex Martin, who was like the, the president of Orlando, okay. Magic at the time. I saw him on Park Avenue it was a place in Winter Park. And they had Oladipo for like two years already. And um, I just remember telling him, I'm like, you guys had to keep Oladipo. Hmm. Cause I'm like, he's not a guy who cares about L. A. or New York or Miami. You're the cool, like, Orlando. Like, you're gonna have you're gonna have trouble recruiting players. Right. You yeah. could sign him long. You can sign him. I'm like, and he's like, he's only a couple years in. He might not be like the top ten pick you thought he was gonna be right now. But like, give this guy time. They he alta- works hard. I have seen it. They,
1: mean- mm-hmm. they also tried to make him a point guard. And yeah. like there's a lot of it, yeah,
2: a lot of it. I would say 99.9 of it was not on him. Like, I know he pure. worked hard, just yeah. like he did at IU. And now, I mean, injury aside, like, yeah, come on. No, he's been... I mean, All-star.
1: Number two pick of the draft. Well, well yeah.
0: even, you know, in the Thunder, maybe needing some time to watch what Russ does as, like, the number one option. And then, you know, it, as far as... We've talked to a lot of former IU players, speaking for themselves or players they played with, yeah, being like, God, that guy would be a great pro now. Or if he showed up at a different team, yeah. at that same time, he could have thrived. Yeah. And with Vic, it seems it just maybe both his own maturation, but then just the right fit in the right place, and Pacers fans rejoice that it it didn't work out
1: in Orlando. So let's get back to your senior year, because yeah. there weren't many on-the-court great moments. No, 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 no. But there was a good one your senior year mm. where we finally play a ranked team, mm. Illinois, at home, and we beat and them. We beat them, man. What
2: do you remember about that I remember game? guarding last play... Locking down. Who was the guard? Ah, oh, uh, we'll light skin. Oh, we have hefty. a hefty.
0: He was. He was a strong, strong guard.
2: Really talented offensively.
0: Hold on, I'm gonna. We've find got him. our our top notch re- re- yeah. research hey, uh, assistant.
1: Hey, uh, Blake. Uh, no. Yeah, go ahead and um, if no. you could do some research <laughs> for <Sure>. us, we. <laughs> What was his name? Hold on, I'm gonna find it. I got it right here. Here we go. All right. Oh, was it Dimitri McCamey? hmm Oh, that prick. <laughs> <laughs> he was. He's the I could be totally wrong here. I believe Dimitri Mc... I'm probably wrong. There was a guy on Illinois who gave Gordon, Eric Gordon, like a shove, like a forearm shiver. Oh, uh, I don't know, maybe I don't maybe. think it was McKay. Yeah. I didn't listeners like McCamey. I didn't like McCamey. Six He's foot good. three.
2: Good. Yes, strong. very good. Strong, strong man. And you locked him down on it was, the last. It play. was game point, man. It was ISO. Me and him. I was on Revis Island, and yes. I was like, he's not scoring. Didn't score. Yes.
0: And now, now you're. So ma- I'm. So like
2: Austin getting like that tweet. Yes. My hard work. Me grinding the coaches down to make them play me, and then on the court, I knew I had one shot to like play again, and then I played again. And then now I'm starting. I'm back in the starting lineup. Wow. And I'll never forget Coach Cream pulled me aside and goes, you've done something I never thought you'd be able to do. And he's like, you're having a career year, even though statistically I was not, but just in terms of my impact on the team, mm-hmm. my role on the team, um, mentoring guys. And I'm sure I was fighting that the year before man, I'm not perfect, I'm not a saint, like, I'm sure I'm struggling, and new guys are coming in, it's just part of the game, man, like, you know, you just, practices are wearing you down, everything is just wearing you down, you know, Um, whether it's self-imposed, or just from other factors, and I felt like, I transitioned into a role my senior year where I matured. I understood, like, what I had to do to play, what I had to do for Jordy Holes and Christian Watford and all the guys coming in. And that's all I could do, man. And I remember we almost beat Michigan State in Michigan State. I remember that, I'll yeah. never
1: forget that game. By the way, but, but let's, I, but wait, let's talk about Illinois for a second. Yeah, i yeah, want I'm to read okay. to talk about Because, too. look – you're the only three players on the team that game played more than thirty minutes. You, Watford, and Halls. Okay, okay, played thirty minutes. You had three steals. Yeah, you had six rebounds. Yeah, you had three assists. Yeah, and most importantly, Dimitri McAmy, who again is one of their stars, plays thirty-five minutes yeah. in that game and scores a total of six points yeah, man. on two of eleven shooting. Yeah, I mean you shut him down. Yeah. And how many turnovers did he have? Five. Yeah, man. I mean you impacted the game. Yeah,
2: that's what I tried to do. And gave as much us as I could.
1: The only highlight, really, the only great on the court highlight those first 3 years. And and what was
0: that like? You persevered through so much and then you finally have Assembly Hall rocking. Yeah, man. The first They stormed the court? E- I, think? I think we did. Yeah. Think they did. They and then did. There was they all did. It the madness afterwards yeah. out in the hallways. Yeah, it Creek felt good,
2: man. It was the best moment anybody had had. At their tenure under Crean, in those three years, I was there. In the two years, Verdell, that, that was our best moment. That is awesome. And it felt good. I remember, I remember like, Verdell. Corey Barnett was my roommate. Mm-hmm. Verdell. I good the, guy, Corey Barnett. I remember, Barnett. like, Verdell and Corey just gave me their biggest hug. Like, you know, they loved me. I, like, I love those guys. Like, they're my brothers, man. Yeah. By the way, that is
1: a game where we shot – eighteen of forty eight from yeah. the field. <laughs> I mean was you? had mean like no business
2: winning the game. Yeah. Right, no yeah. business You
1: scored fifty two points. Yeah, yeah, You held yeah. them to forty nine. Yeah. I'm telling you, I I remember I think Chris Reynolds back in the early nineties played on the Cheney teams for yeah. Indiana. And was a defensive stopper, mm. and I, I'm a little too young to really remember Quinn Buckner, who everybody talks about being just a and Bobby Wilkerson. You're in a lot mid-70s. too young, yeah, <laughs> to remember those guys. Everybody talks about. I love Quinn Buckner, man. Yeah, I mean, what an just, awesome guy. Yeah, he awesome. supported me so much. Oh, that's good yeah. to hear. In your time at IU, so,
2: so much, man. Oh, that is yeah, good to he's, hear. He's, uh,
1: the Pacers. Yes. Yeah, bro,
2: he supported me so much.
1: Wow, that's yeah. good to hear. I owe him a lot. Yeah, but watching you play defense made me realize how someone can impact the game without ever putting up a point. And you did. And and knowing where you came from, from your high school pedigree, watching a guy embrace that, I always respected that and admired that because we were a team that was not going to win games. But I'm telling you, those three years of those Indiana teams they were not as miserable to watch as you would think they would be based on the records because the guy you did play hard yes we did well yeah, and
0: there and there was there was progress and we we all knew where you were starting from and you know for you not even being able to play the first year but it is amazing how those first three years, how fondly, and I hope you know this, how fondly they are looked back upon yeah. by the fans yeah. because you guys giving us your all and that, you know.
1: With you no got, chance of
0: success. Right. But but success was relative in that time. It was right? the work. So so the fact that you were able to get to a high point like that where the hall was rocking, you know, that, that that was that was as big a win as we could have hoped for for where the program was coming from.
2: Yeah, I mean, we took the brunt of the storm, man. We were not eye of it like we took all the flack I mean all the hard practices hours I mean it was not great
0: you laid the foundation yeah and listen you for think what was I about, give about to happen coaching
2: staff credit. they got the most that they could maybe some of it was counterproductive in terms of how yeah I'm not sure they did
1: tough it was for us because had they had some Appreciation for what you guys were going through. Had yeah. they backed off a little bit when it wasn't more could you have won more games? Uh, I think so, hundred percent. So yeah. 100%. I guess the question is, look, you weren't going to make the NCAA tournament, no, you know, man, but no. but again, part of being a college coach, especially in that environment, is just getting the kids that are there to maximize what they can do and grinding them into the ground. Yeah, and making it so it's like an us versus them mentality of players versus coach yeah. just isn't good. I yeah. mean, it's not a good look. Did anybody <laughs> give y'all a gold? Oh no, let's yeah. hear it. <laughs> did they, did they anybody tell you about the the drinks? His well, weird green drink. Yeah, we green talked, drinks. Yeah tell, yeah, us, yeah. tell us what you know about the green drink.
2: What do you know first?
1: I, I know that no one really knows what was it's inside. A, a oh, no, secret I formula.
2: I don't know. Like our our urban legends, like it, it was energy drinks from Mexico, <laughs> like. From from the jungles like
1: not FDA approved. Not
2: FDA like that that was our like urban legend. But we would know how hard the practices would be given how many were in there. How many <laughs> Cokes, Diet Cokes and Green Energy Drinks were in there, we'd know how hard the practice would be.
1: The more drinks that were there, the worse you had it. Yes, the worse the worse the practice would be. Because
0: that was his crazy juice and the more that was lined up, the more the, the practice would And there'd better. be once a month
2: where we'd have a light practice and he would just sit in the stands exhausted. <laughs> It's true, because it, I, the energy, it, like whatever he was yeah, drinking
1: yeah. on, it was just, I don't know where, it, we don't know. Our legend's like, I was in Mexico. <laughs> That's so good. What about the pants hiking, constantly ripping his pants up? You know about that? Oh, did somebody knock? There Come on is. in. Do you need to clear us out soon? No. Right, right now? All right, we'll wrap it up. Okay. Thank, okay. You. Thank, you. Thank, you. Thank, you. Thank you. Somebody's got the room at four. Okay, that's good. I got to pick up kids from school anyway. So uh, let's just put a button on that. So the the pants hiking? I don't remember those things, man. I just remember the drinks. What about the clapping? Lots of clapping. The the clapper.
0: He's known as the clapper now. I'm sure he clapped a lot. (laughs) Those are the least of my worries. (laughs) what fans do with too
2: much time i don't remember the clapping of the pants have
0: you since then got to enjoy any of the gifts or memes that went around in kring's era okay because we're, we're gonna, gonna have send to them t- text you some Please. of those because there was there was some real jewels
1: all right so listen your three years at indiana didn't go the way you wanted it no, to on sure. the court no, but yeah. how do you look back at just being in indiana i vision? had the greatest
2: time man i wouldn't have changed people are like would you have gone no i wouldn't have gone anywhere different man wouldn't like, have gone anywhere else favorite
1: pizza in bloomington Oh my, Mother Bears. Yeah. Man, what? <laughs> Favorite bar? Sports, man. That was yeah. your place? I like yeah. sports.
2: Yeah. I, I had a good time at Kilroy's, but sports was a little bit more for me. Bluebird?
1: For live shows. Yeah. Yeah. Worst class you took in Bloomington? I was really hoping for I didn't go to any classes. <laughs> no, I went to my classes. Yeah. I,
2: I had good classes. Yeah, you liked your I classes. almost I almost became a theology major because I mm. got really into it. What uh, was your major?
1: Don't say sports marketing. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't tequila making. No,
2: it definitely wasn't tequila making. Um oh,
1: physical ed. Oh wow, no, that was rough. Rough. Yeah, you didn't need to do that. Nah, I was you? like, I know all this. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, Jeremiah, we could do, we would love to have you back on and just talk about sports and basketball and talk about the NBA, but again, what we love about this podcast is we get to connect with people and hear the full story and flesh them out as total human beings. You are a joy to talk to. You busted your ass when you were at Indiana in a time where Indiana couldn't give you the rewards of success, and for that, I think... All of us Indiana fans should be thankful for that. I personally, I know Ward does respect We it. are. I appreciate we, you we guys. No, I appreciate we do. It very much. And I'm thank telling you, man, it's burned into my head watching you get down in that defensive stance no, and shut thank somebody you. down. No, thank you. And I'm going to go back on YouTube tonight and watch that Dimitri McKayme shot no, please, at man. the end. Yeah. I can't wait.
0: Well, and I, I was thrilled to hear at the beginning of this that you stood up to Eric and said, I'm a Hoosier, too. Always, man. Because we... we Nothing own, but love. Yeah, we feel, we feel the pride of you being a part of that school. And I know when you're coming up and you're bouncing around to professional teams and came yeah. from Georgetown, another heralded program, we, we want you as our own. And that, that's how you identify yourself. It means a lot to us
1: always man and next year we got to get you back to bloomington i haven't been since i left you got to come with us we do an event okay where we get former players to come yeah. and fans we do it at the bluebird yeah
2: i've just man time just flies, flies man. but you
1: got to come with us next year i'm there all right man thanks Thank you so guys. much
2: appreciate you guys